Hello, I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And we're the hosts of The Big Damn Cast, a weekly pop culture podcast full of nerdy news and geeky gossip, available every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. But that's not all. <laughs> that's right, Chris. Why are you laughing? We're expanding to create regular video content, and we need your support. To get access to Big Damn exclusives, including our Discord server and video commentaries, head over to patreon.com forward slash bigdamncast and support us for as little as $1 a month. We're grateful for any support you can give us. So grateful, we may even reveal the location of the antidote. Chris, just just stop. Thank you, random advert, which I've not selected yet, so I don't know who I'm saying thank you to. It's probably me and Matt, I imagine, a Big Damn Cast advert. Anyway, hi! You're not listening to Big Damn Cast, you are listening to Out of the Broom Cupboard. I'm Chris Johnson, and it's another fine episode. As far as I'm concerned, you be the judge. Bit of business before we start. If you're not already a patron, you're missing out on so many more rewards and perks. Head to patreon.com slash OOTBC to decide if sponsoring the show is something you'd like to consider. I'd be ever so grateful, and I'd give you free nonsense. Plus, we have a Discord. If you become a patron, you're on the Discord, and you get to join in with all the absolute toddle that we say on a daily basis to one another is great so i hope to see you there to those who are supporting the show and are hearing this early hey you're hearing it early because you support the show and i'm forever grateful also important to note before i begin this episode was recorded before the passing of the wonderful terry jones the reason i bring this up is we talk about terry in the present tense at one point later on in the episode but who am i talking about terry with you might ask well, if the title didn't give it away, it's actor, performer, and just all-round lovely man Ian Kirkby. Ian is known to CBBC viewers in particular as one of the many faces involved with the Dick and Don projects over the years and stuff produced by Steve Ride, including The Slammer, The Slammer Returns, to Dick and Don Diaries, Dick and Dom in the Bungalow, and of course, for playing the role of D.I. Harry Bat. But more on him later. Right now, just enjoy. I'm going to be quiet. Bye. <laughs> Sweet in a way. So is this it? Are we starting? We, I mean, we can if you like. Yes. Shall we? Are you rolling? I am indeed. Marvelous. That's brilliant. You see, you, you're the you're the first of the guests of this show to be perceptive enough to have noticed <laughs> that we've already <laughs> begun talking on it. tape. Yes. It's uh, normally I sneak in the intro, but you see, uh, you're on it. Uh, you're on it, sir. Uh, uh, which means I can't surprise you. You can't. Well, um, you know, do you do a little introduction or anything? Oh, I did it before. Oh, see, I, I see. see. Yeah, I see. Oh, people so already heard me. Yeah. It's in business. <laughs> it's in the can. It's in the can, isn't it? It's in the can. We don't work with cans anymore, do we? No, 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 no. No, no, no it's all USB now. Exactly. Well, we, they say that. Uh, see this computer that I'm recording on? This is my MacBook Pro from 2011, 2012, something like yeah. that. I've had this for donkey's years, and it's brilliant, and it's worked well, and then recently I had a big crash. Yeah. Um, so I had to they do that. get it replaced. It's mental. I had what? to get it replaced, what? and I've got a new one. And all of my stuff doesn't connect to it anymore because they don't have USB. No, they don't anymore. do that anymore because yeah, they're just tiny little yeah. things. But for nineteen ninety nine a pop, yes. you can buy a little piddling thing with a USB attached to it. Yes, so you can. And it's like, oh, I see, I see. And now my desk looks like some out of flight of the Navigator. It's horrible. Mm. It's horrible in many ways. Well, yes, you know, technology moves. I, I, yeah, I do find that really annoying when they suddenly you you get one. And you go, hang on, well, where do I plug this in now? Because you mm. haven't got a port for it. These Apple bastards <laughs> ringing us for fucking money, love. They've grabbed us by the 
Collar. Yes. I'll say collar. Exactly. One less beep. <laughs> yes. Even uh, little things like that's an SD card port there. Yeah. So, you know, digital camera and whatnot, and yeah. they don't have it on the new ones. Don't have a disc drive. This has got a CD no. drive. Yeah, mine had that. Yeah. Because yeah. they want you to buy it digital. They want you to buy it digital. Digital, they just download it. Just got to put it on the thing. And I see, you know, fashioned this lovely out of some sellotape. Yes. <laughs> this cable is this, absolutely this, knackered. This cable has seen some rather better days, I fancy. I mean, you could have at least got electrician's tape, you <laughs> fucking idiot. At uh, this point, it's mostly just so it doesn't crack when it's, yes, in, a, when it's in a bag. Exactly. Um, took me till last week or week before to find this, which is an extension cord for it. It was in the box. Completely forgotten about it. Right. Probably would have saved that wire from getting as damaged as it had all well, these years. Probably. Well, that's fine. I've got a new computer now, and I hate it. Right. But I'm glad for technology, Ian, because it's the reason why we're able to put this show out. Well, indeed. You see, the broom cupboard and whatnot. Um, now, you are a unique guest, because mm. you are the first guest I've spoken to who is not a CBBC presenter, or has not had a stint as a presenter, uh, but... Right, yes. You did do a guest slot as I a CBBC did. presenter. I did. Albeit uh, not as your, your usual self. Um... Yes, it was some some old silly old character I created called uh, Detective Inspector Harry Bat. Never heard of him. Don't know uh, who you're talking about. It was very popular in the seventies when I was <laughs> in my younger days when I was working as a fresh faced youth. Um, yes, no, I did. Uh, as I a five year old yeah, copper. Yes, okay. Um, I can't remember. Um, it was, I mean, obviously, it was off the back of the bungalow. I can't remember when I did it. I I have I have some recollections, and it's mostly in part to a uh, lovely friend of the show, Guy Lambert, who oh, produced. Yeah. Well, of course, he well he was my producer that week. Yeah, uh, it was back during lovely, the lovely, lovely Mister Guy, the pre CBBC Office era, and it was back when it was on blue screen and green screen it for was a while in uh, Television Centre. Yeah, it, uh, it would have been in East, East Tower, I imagine. No, it somewhere. wasn't actually. It was Ooh. it was on the ground floor. Was it TC? No, it wasn't TC3, that was Blue Peter. Uh, the, uh, there was like a little... It was near the new... You know the new part of the building where the, yeah. all the news was and radio... Uh, uh, the Today programme used to come from yeah. that part of the building. And there was like a little... They did Nelly Nut there for a while, I seem to remember, if you can remember that far back. <laughs> it was just that, that sort of live cartoon. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, it was yeah. It was a little. I hadn't thought studio. about Nelly not until just this moment, probably ten years. So thank yeah. you for that. That was, uh, that was remarkable. Well, they, they anyway. I'd like to reminisce <laughs> about um, Nelly Nut. About Nelly Nut. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So it was a little studio just off the the sort of corridor there. Because I remember it had a pair of doors that went out the back. Well, I went for a crafty crafty burn, as I did in those days. Um, but. Um, so yeah, so that's when we did it. So, but I can't remember. I mean, it must have been about I don't know, about two thousand and eight or something. Would have been around there, so two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. Was it around the time of the the, well, we, the Harry uh, the Harry pilot? Well, or as I prefer to refer to it, the special. The special. The special. Yes, it's not a pilot. It was indeed very special. It was a thing of beauty, and it's it's rapidly becoming or has become the greatest CBBC show never made. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, commissioning editor went, uh, it's fabulous, we love it, it's excellent, it's great, put it in a drawer, left. <laughs> and that was it. This is an all too familiar sounding yes, situation. Exactly. and then we sort of pitch it at various times, um, fastened to the phrase, we have some very attractive budget uh, considerations for you. It, it, it is uh, amazing how many times you can put something together now, um, and the first thing you present is this is how little it will cost to yeah. do. 
Um, so many of the things I've pitched right, have I mean, had the budget estimation at the top. Exactly. Like, there you go. Yeah, but it's in- incredible as well because mm. when you consider how much children's drama gets budget-wise compared oh, to yeah. how much children's comedy slash entertainment gets, um, it's a gaping chasm. And it's it, it's yeah, it just to me you kind of go, okay, well, all right. I'm not saying it has to have the same amount as drama in budgetary oh. terms, but. You know, that's that still part of your remit to make comedy and entertainment for children. Yeah, educate, inform, and entertain. And the entertainment part does not exactly. necessarily come from the bit that's going to make and everyone And of course, sad. Lord Ruth was a great friend of mine back in 1924, I think. We first used to go to Garrick together. Uh, but um, anyway, that's all, that's, all, that's all sort of internal politics, really. But yes, no, this is good. You, you would be surprised how many people who listen to this are fully not only aware of that world of internal politics, yes. but are completely fascinated by the mechanics, yes. the cogs of it all. Um, so nil ye fret. So, yes. Some uh, people will have heard that and gone, what are they talking about? But the rest of them would have gone, ah, yeah, we know. Well, we know. We know. Uh, so, yes. So, uh, so I did do a, a stint in president. So, it would have been, so we finished the bungalow 2006. Mm. Uh, we stopped making the, uh, yeah. So I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing we did the pilot. Yes, we did. We did it in 2006 because it went out pilot, on the special. Is it, uh, Gina Yashray had a Gina's laughing gear, which again yeah. foxed everybody that made one of the ten programs. That going, why? You know, nothing against Gina, but why has she been stitched into? to do this it, it was an odd one because it's I, I suppose if it would have been for say like networks or for an older programming block elsewhere yeah. people might have made sense of oh this is a showcase and they, they was watching it will gauge a reaction and they'll but for yeah. kids it's just kind of like I don't get it why why is this random person presenting a random show to us that's different every time yeah, we, we exactly. watch it so I, I didn't really get that aspect of it but um, the nice thing was out of the ten the apparently the tech review team that watched all, you know, these are for for the listener that everything you make in television goes to the tech review team to make sure that it's of broad broadcast quality, and they stuck a post-it note on ours and sent it back and said we want this one, <laughs> which you know I thought well that that's always nice exactly people with the cool heads uh, yeah, at yeah. least prevailed with yeah, internally exactly. you know but um, their so, uh, our loss. Was, Indeed, was the tech heads, and you yeah, know the thing, the thing is, Chris, in this business, we're only one phone call away from anything happening. So, <coughs> you know, keep fingers crossed. I've not given up on it yet. You know, I can still don that wig, <laughs> stick on that moustache. In fact, it's here right now. <coughs> Get out of this bag. So, when it comes to CBC presentation, for example, I, I'm, I've got to ask about this because I'm just so curious. I uh, was in that environment for a long time, and mm-hmm. there is a lot of there's a lot of. Um, Mental I, I guess, scarring, yeah. Well, well, aside from that, there's a lot of like reverse editing. There's a lot of pre- <coughs> sometimes a producer will presume a complaint. They'll assume that something is going. They'll, they'll preemptively be like, yes. "Oh, we can't. No, we can't do that." Yes. Like, oh, I see. No, what you mean. we absolutely yes. can. Yeah. Um, it took me four years of live press before I got to a point where they were comfortable with me doing a character live for a, an afternoon. Mm-hmm. There was a character called Bank Holiday Benny, and yes. it was my excuse to take an earbud out and just do whatever I wanted and, mm-hmm. and terrify or scar, as you said, the other presenter. Um, so I'm fascinated that for it was a few afternoons, wasn't it, Harry Bat? On CBBC, uh, on prayers, yeah, yeah, uh, it was a whole week, whole week. Yeah. So I'm fascinated that there was a time <laughs> when they went, yeah, sure. What it's a character who sort of is mostly driven by improvisation. Go mm. for it, yeah, yeah. There you go. 
Um, like the, how comfortable they were with that. Like I, that must have been equal parts kind of intimidating in terms of right. You're steering this, mm-hmm. and you're the only one going on, and you are you are in charge of directing the viewer. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it must be very freeing to be like right. I I know how to drive this particular clown car. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. Steering the week. I mean, I suppose by that point as well, you know, the bungalow had been going for I've. Four years, five years, something like that. Uh, four, I believe. Um, before it was taken out back. Yes. I was drunk for most of it, so I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you were alone. Uh, <laughs> most of us were. Um, no, that, that's not true, folks. That's not true. Uh, we are, we're being facetious for the yes. sake of comedy. Only on Friday nights. Yes. And Saturday mornings yes. when the show was going out live. And pre-recording the and next day. And pre-recording the next day. <laughs> Otherwise, there was no drinking on that show no, whatsoever. No, no, no. no, um, no, no. Anyway, moving on from that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing was, I think the thing was, is uh, Harry had evolved into a very solid character by that time and was sort of, Quite <laughs> dependable, if you like, yeah. as as a driving force. I mean, that's you know that was what he was used for mainly on the bungalow was to drive <laughs> sort of thing through. I mean, um, producer Steve Ryan would often say, "You come in on a Saturday morning and go right. I want this to happen. Something that you know he just dreamt up overnight. <laughs> just get into the garb, get on, and and make do, it be a do whatever. I mean, that's how the whole garlic mayonnaise saga started. Um, was uh, he'd found he'd been told by one of the researchers that Tom had switched the garlic mayonnaise for yogurt, and he said Dominic doesn't know that we know. That we know. <laughs> so he said, "I want you to," because uh, at that point Harry had only appeared once. He was in the very first episode of series four, I think it was, in the creamy muck muck section, yeah. doing the the raid, the raid, yeah. the uh, unlicensed muck muck. Which even as a kid, I was like, "Wait, <laughs> that me." That- no. <laughs> well, so Steve was very keen. I watching that going. Oh, uh, my dad was just wetting himself. So Steve, was, Steve Ryan yeah. was very keen. He, he kept impressing upon me in my ear as we were going through that whole sequence. Um, he said, it's unlicensed muck muck. It's not illegal. It's not, Don't make this uh, like an illegal substance. Of course, Dominic just drove all over that and kept calling it an illegal substance. Uh, so I was the one, again, I was the, the, the mainstay. Forcing the information of unlicensed muck muck. Um, so anyway, so so, they, so and he was just he was just thrown in as a sort of one off character, and and how that how he sort of came about to be Geordie as well. I was actually um, in the summer break. Uh, I, was, I was actually di- uh, decorating Steve Ryan's flat at the time uh, while he was starting to put together the, the next series. And he, he came uh, home with this idea to kick off the new show, the Creamy Muck Muck section, would be this raid for unlicensed Muck Muck. And he said, he said, and you're going to drive it. He said, and you're, you're going to be the lead copper coming in. So I said, oh, right, OK. I said, uh, oh, I said, can we do it like a sort of retro 70s John Thor yeah. Sweeney type thing? Yeah. And he went, oh, yeah, yeah, I like, like that idea. That's good. So and originally I was thinking of you know go take them down that road right shut it yeah. put your trousers on you're nicked you know Cockney copper um, which is probably a whole new another character there in itself but I said to Steve I said what I said what uh, what accent do you want me to do him in and uh, he sort of I remember it and he was standing in his living room with a paintbrush in my hand and he went um, he said do you Geordie Geordie's quite good so I went all right. 
And so that coupled with the went to see the lovely Leslie Altrincham in makeup. Said you've got a sort of seventies wig, you know, a sort of. And she went, what, like this? Held up the perfect wig straight out of the box. Like middle part in curtains. Um, yeah, and I said... Uh, and Winged. A, and a Zapata moustache. And she went, what, like this? And it was like, ding! You know, and I looked in the mirror. And I know, Chris, a character had just been born, man. He was the... He was the <laughs> 100% heel copper. Um... And uh, and that that was it. So that that's where he came from. That's All it. apologies if I devolve um, into a giggling mess when you do that. Sorry. Oh what? All oh, right. Sorry. It's, yeah, it's, 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 he, I'm I'm very fond of him because uh, I, I think I said as, that so, as someone who as a viewer and as someone who <laughs> yeah. was worked within that world that environment. Yeah. I'm very fond of him for a multitude of right. reasons. Uh, I always remember <laughs> I just remember Richard saying in the middle of that that um, part of the show when I went I, I said the words. Something about hurl, and Richard went, You just said hurl. <laughs> I said, Hey, or whatever it was. Anyway, so that's uh, that was that was the that's that's the where Harry was born and made, um, and and created. And we all thought, Well, that was it. It was a, it was a, a great uh, muck muck that one because it was very messy and it was first show back of that series, uh, and it was um, terrific fun to do. And we all, you know, come the end, Leslie puts the, takes the wig, puts it in the basin, washes it out, everything gets cleaned up. And we just thought, well, that was it. It was just a great one-off character. So, oh, it was a great start to the series. Well done, everybody. Exactly, yeah. Pat on the back. Let's, all right, what's next So, um, So then, anyway, so we were about four weeks in when this garlic mayonnaise uh, incident happened. And I'd literally come in Saturday morning, it was about oh, 7.30, AM and Steve collared me in the corridor and he filled me in on what had happened on the uh, uh, the, um, uh, the the shoot uh, for the um, uh, the location shoot for the the uh, what was the game called um, that's the stuff yeah where they had to eat spoonfuls of disgusting stuff, stuff. <laughs> yeah uh, it's very funny because I'm I'm a listener to Radio Two and I've noticed it's one of Ken Bruce's little catchphrases when he's talking to members of the public before Popmaster. Oh, that's the stuff. He goes, he, he, yeah, he kind of always makes me think of that game because, oh, so you, 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 you're a, a sheet metal worker from Cotner and uh, that's the stuff. Beautiful, right? We've got two choices for you here today. And that's we, his bridging catchphrase. Yeah, that, oh, that's the stuff. Oh, that's the stuff. Uh, good, right? Well, we have got two um, categories for you here. Uh, so he rambles on like garlic mayonnaise <laughs> and yogurt. So, uh, so I always think of that whenever I hear that phrase. That's the stuff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I digress. We're going a little bit Ronnie Sheen now. Um, so <laughs> perfectly fine. It's, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> so the producer took me to one side in the corridor. He said, Ronnie, see, come out from behind that toadstool. No, uh, no, so, uh, <laughs> no, so, so Steve did, the, the producer did take me to one side <laughs> in the corridor just outside TC6 and he, he filled me in on this, this swizz that Dominic had pulled. And, um, he said, right, so he said, he doesn't know we know this. He said, so he said, you know that copy you did the other week? I said, "Oh yeah, yeah." Uh, he Suddenly, said, the wig moves yeah. in the dressing room. He said, "He said we're going to we're going to dress you back up as him." He said, "Go in, and you're going to you know uh, confront him with this and force him to eat the garlic mayonnaise." So I said, "All oh, right, great." And of I course, well. so this is seven thirty a.m. on the morning of transmission, and 
you know, so you're thrown right into the, the improvisation. Now, lit, little sideline story, plot B here. So I go into Leslie, I said, we're doing that copper again we did the other week. She said, I don't think I've got the wig here. Oh. So she went, oh, she said, I've probably got something similar. And she goes, goes rummaging around. And all she can find is it, it's a similar style of wig, but it's blonde. <laughs> As opposed to sort of because yeah. Harry's quite brown stroke, so, not, not auburn, but not Meg, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's quite blonde <laughs> with this, but she's still got the moustache, the dark moustache. So it looks like he. When I come in, if you find the tapes of that I, episode, I, I it looks that, like he's yeah. had a week on or a month on Bondi Beach, uh, or he's some <laughs> kind of cross Australian Geordie with this blonde hair. Found the sun in. It was yeah. just like well. Um, yeah. Not that it got a waste. <laughs> and, uh, so that was, you know, that was a little bit of a, a sort of imperfection in the, the thing. But um, so, yeah, so so this has all been a very long-winded roundabout way of getting back to did they, you know, sort of think, is this a good idea letting Harry Bat steer, steer a week's worth of you know, live a entertainment? A week's worth of, of uh, live um, press. Um, With clearances and... Yes. Um, <laughs> like Lord however, um, dear Mister Mister Guy, who was producing me that that week, um, had sort of uh, nicely just written out vague um, <laughs> sort of things that we were linking to and from, and all that sort of thing. Uh, and and bless him, and he sort of gave me free reign. He said, you know, you add in on on top of this. He said, this is just mm. a guide. Um, you know, and obviously I, I was very sensible and knew that. The limitations of working in live television. Do not swear. Do not say these uh, words. Do not, do not imply these, these naughty words. Yeah, don't imply anything. Don't mm. no sexual innuendo. All that sort of thing. Um, although I was very pleased that on the bungalow once when I was commentating on muck muck football, I said, uh, "Oh, that's Debbie from the local chip shop. She gives me a lovely battered sausage every weekend, uh, which you'd never get away with now." No. Um, <laughs> Probably wouldn't have then. Uh, no, you probably wouldn't have, but it was live. What they're going to do, you know? <laughs> you weren't screaming it in a library, so the House of Commons no. didn't have a problem with it. So exactly. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so yeah, so it was, um, uh, and, I, and I think that the nature of what are you laughing at? Sorry, now? just again that being in those environments. And thinking, oh, I know. Someone can say that, and it's great. Um, like it should be. It's panto logic. Exactly. Completely over the heads uh, of the uh, it, of the demographic. Exactly. There's not some for the mums and dads. Um, <laughs> Uh, so um, yeah, so Harry, by nature of the character, because he's a, such a direct character anyway, and thinks he's right about everything, um, it, it sort of just it, it followed through that he could drive those interstitials. He's an authority and, figure, and yeah, exactly. They always you know. cast those kind of roles to be someone that children can look up to and feel safe around. Exactly. Who's safer than a proper Johnny Copeland? Than exactly than, than the law. Sam, in it, fudge in it, so fudge in, yeah, got a so, um, so yeah, so that that was um, how all that happened and came about. I want to rewind from live television. Do you want to rewind with that? <laughs> uh, what? Uh, so, yeah. where doth you begin in terms of uh, career in performing? Because you are one of them, one of the thespians. Well, I, yes, I am a classically trained actor. Um, Rudder. 
I did go to yes. the Rada, yes. Uh, well, for me... Was that your genuine CV in the last episode? Of it was. I did yes, wonder that. Yes, when I yeah. held it up, when I was with uh, the lovely Rebecca Blonde Associates at the time. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's my last show. I don't know what's happening after this. So Stop I, it. Get the CV I out. thought I'd hold me... <laughs> then Richard took it off me and went, Buckingham in Richard III. I said, yes, I was very good in that. <laughs> very good production. I gave a deep revolving. We're to Buckingham. I think you'll find... Uh, so, so again, it's, it's it's an uncommon trend on the show so far of people who started as actor primarily and, mm. and whatnot. But of course, it's not an, an unbelievable situation with yourself because, of course, your presence within to a lot of the viewers here, like the world of CBBC and kids TV, for mm. example, has been as a performer within various shows. Yes, a turn. Yes, dare well, I say, a warm prop. As, yes. as <laughs> some people like to refer to me as. I like to think I'm a bit more special than that. Absolutely. A what? Uh, a what? That sounds wrong. Maybe not that. Yeah, no. That's, um, <laughs> actually, that, cut that. Uh, <laughs> let, leave it in. But 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 let, um, let, let people let it stew. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so so yes. So my humble beginnings. So uh, now we have to spool right back to 1979. Here, never heard of it. It was very popular in the 70s. Ah, yes. um, that year, 1979. Uh, and I was, uh, that was when I made my television debut in the critically acclaimed version of Sons and Lovers by D.H. Lawrence, adapted for television by Trevor Griffiths, starring Eileen Atkins and Tom Bell, two of the finest actors uh, of, of 1979. Indeed, well, poor old Tom's not with us anymore, but uh, Dame Eileen Atkins, of course, goes on and on. Wonderful actress, wonderful lady. Uh, and so I was, I was casting that to play. <clears throat> the young William Morell, as per the uh, the story of the book, um, and so that's when, um, I, a bit prior to that, I'd, I'd been a hoofer. I wanted to tap dance, uh, trains in. <laughs> <clears throat> um, <laughs> it's, uh, so I, I used to go to this little tap dancing lesson. Uh, once a week, um, which I thoroughly loved, and because uh, I'd been fed on a diet of Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly films, because I had older parents, and uh, well, it'd be wrong if you had younger parents, wouldn't it? Would be slightly odd, yeah. Would be uh, strange, in a way. But, uh, but the they, they were older than my market. contemporaries because my mum had me uh, quite late on in life, and um, so uh, yeah, I was fascinated by all, all of that, and it just so happened that my the dance school that I went to was the place where the BBC held these auditions uh, to, to cast because they wanted authentic Nottingham speaking children with the right accent basically uh, and I am a, a Notts lad uh, uh, well, what are you on about you know it's that sort of accent up there I don't know mate I don't know what you're on about you know, that's the that's the that's the quite broad. Was that the audition? Yeah, that wasn't the audition. <laughs> you just walked in because uh, I don't think I'd have got the part uh, if I had to go. I'm just nipping down to beer off to get me send some snacks. Uh, you know. So anyway, <laughs> which the London casting director's going? Yes, I'm not yes, sure. What I'm he not said, sure but what he's saying. But he's utterly charming. Yes, we must get him in. Charming young man. Get him in. So yeah. So um, so that that you was can, that. You and, can tap as well. Yes, you? exactly. So uh, got put into that, and then that sort of by doing that sort of turned my head a little bit more towards um, the um, spoken arts, the world of acting, and um, and then three years on from that, in uh, 1983, um, Central Television, as it was then, um, moved ship from Elstree Studios down in London and decided to broadcast. 
from the heart of the Midlands. Mm -hmm. So they'd all, already had um, obviously studios in Birmingham, but they decided to go into the East Midlands, build this fabulous brand new state-of-the-art um, studios in Lenton Lane in Nottingham. And in doing so, um, one of their new initiatives was they set up this thing called the Junior Television Workshop, which some people may have heard of. I mean, it's still going to this day in a very different format to what it was when I was there. But um, And it was a lady called Sue Knott, who you may be aware of, who was... Um, um, well, she was uh, head of Children's Factual at uh, the BBC. Yes. I don't know whether she still is or not. She I'm might be not in a sure. different department. Anyway, uh, but way back then, she was the first sort of workshop leader um, who had a background in uh, drama and stuff. And uh, uh, and it was Lu Lewis Rudd who was the head of uh, Children's at ITV at the time. Uh, it, it was all his sort of brainchild to set that up. And they... They set it up primarily as a group, um, as a sort of touchstone for producers and directors to go to, to see what kids wanted to see on television. Yeah. So, but it was never really set up initially as a sort of casting base uh, for children in television. It was more of a sort of, you know, get the kids to improvise and, you know, it was just a drama club really mm. uh, in its base terms. Um, market research but more creative yes in a way exactly. so let, let us actually interact with our audience yeah. and kind of see what they what, what drives them and what yeah, entertains them absolutely um, you know and it, it served a very good process for doing that and then um, sort of several months into it uh, I, I think we you know mounted a show at that point and stuff so which was great and um, and then a some of your listeners might remember there used to be a series called Drama Rama, mm. um, which were like little half-hour plays yeah. for kids uh, on a tea times after school. And um, one of these drama dramas came up, and it was about four lads in um, a secondary school that had been put in detention, mm. uh, or they had to see the headmaster for somebody. Again, you probably wouldn't be able to do this today, but. Um, the storyline was a kid had been shot in the eye with an air pistol. Christ. So, yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And these four lads were... this Fictional ouch. Yeah, yeah. Gang of lads. And they were, and so the whole sort of half-hour drama was them arguing it out with their teacher mm. and about owning up to it and all that sort of thing. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, so they, the uh, producer and director of that particular drama drama decided to look to cast it from... Uh, the workshop and I was lucky enough to be cast into that and in fact the four of us who were in it um, so there was myself there was Mr Chris Gascoigne who plays Peter Barlow now mm. in Coronation Street dear old mate of mine uh, Mr Carl Collins who was DC Danny Glaze in The Bill and he's been in Hollyoaks and yeah. um, you know one of the nicest fellas in show business um, in fact, I went to school school with Carl, so ah. um, grew up on the same estate as uh, him. Uh, and <clears throat> the other uh, chap in there was a, uh, an actor called Simon Schatzberger, who played the first Adrian Mole in the West End, uh, yes. uh, and yeah. who can now be seen on an array of adverts. <laughs> in fact, one of his most famous adverts was the um, 
if you remember it, was the uh, Yellow Pages ad with the scratch on the table, the lad that had had a party. Yeah. And it is, the tagline was, the phone rings, and he, he goes, Hi, Mum, just landed. Oh, quiet. Yeah. And the payoff was he looks at the, the laughing cavalier on the wall and somebody's drawn specks and a beard on it and everything. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we're all still in the business from from way back when. Um, you know, and... Uh, you know, all all getting by, so um, so that's that was um, where it started, and then from doing that, uh, so I, I you know I was, I, the the workshop then started seeing what a good sort of little pool of of actors they had uh, for all the ITV companies and the BBC um, uh, got involved with it as well to start casting people and all of a sudden you know you were there were people flying off to do all sorts of programs the majority were in children's television uh, it has to be said but there were people then starting to be cast in adult sitcoms and adult drama and all that sort of thing um, and then the uh, the powers that be thought hang on why don't we give the workshop its own television program so we came up with this little show called Your Mother Wouldn't Like It. Um, well, we made a pilot for it first. Back in the days when you still made pilots, <laughs> rather than <laughs> making something on the cheap and then putting it out as the first episode, if, yes, I if, if they decide to commission it. That's not a, I've never heard of that being yes. put into practice whatsoever. Exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so Your Mother Wouldn't Like It was then born. Um, I was good. Funnily enough, I was in my head. I was like, "Okay, so does this lead?" to I didn't realize it led directly yes. into that. Like, so, and it was um, uh, again, you know, lucky enough to sort of be among the sort of leading cast members in that. Um, and it had because I, I actually played a, a, a through character through uh, throughout the whole show called Loaf, who was this very inept, rather. Uh, thick floor manager was the premise of the show so it was like you were backstage behind a show being put on uh, and it was a sketch show essentially you know it would lampoon sort of things of the time and um, uh, and it had songs in it and all, all that sort of thing uh, and it, it picked up a BAFTA one year Best Children this was back in the day when there was only one BAFTA for, for <laughs> one children's programme be it factual entertainment drama or comedy Um and it, it, one year, it, um, I think about 87, probably, 86, 87, picked up the BAFTA for Best Children's. Uh, and it, it was a good show, and it ran for, I think we made three series of it. But um, maybe four, it might have been four, actually. Um, but in the last two series, there was a strand called Palace Hill, mm. which was... Uh, took the conceit that the two royal princes, William and Harry, had gone to a normal comprehensive school. Uh, and it, this proved a very popular strand of the show. It was only like two or three minutes in each show each week. Yeah. It was like a little soap opera running through it. So the decision came at the end of Your Mother Wouldn't Like It's Life to then spin that off as its own show called yeah. Palace Hill. Um, and I don't, I don't think... I've got the feeling I wasn't in the first series of that, but then the second series they they revamped it quite dramatically, uh, and um, I sort of had a hand in creating the character I then played in that, which was a character called 
Chelsea Bond. Uh, and also alongside me in this show <coughs> was, <coughs> excuse me, producer Steve Ride, mm-hmm. who played Jimmy the Time Warp Kid, who was this kid that had miraculously <laughs> gone through the toilet of time and ended up from a, a schoolboy in 1940 to a schoolboy in 1999, uh, no, it would have been 88, 89 at the time, so present day. Uh, and so there were a core cast of about seven of us. Um, uh, playing various characters, so we had, uh, you know, the school bully Nick Knuckle. Obviously, the two princes were, were still there, William and Harry. Um, uh, there was myself playing this character. This it was a yuppie. That was it because yuppiedom was like yeah. the height of fashion at the time. So I remember I had a very smart suit. I had a lot more hair than I have got now. I had this beautiful quiff, and I carried a file of facts everywhere. And um, uh, the funny thing was, is me and Steve always used to joke that Mr. and Mrs. Bunn had a son and called him Chelsea. <laughs> you know, I mean, why would you do that? Uh, but anyway, there you go. And I'm not even sure why he was called Chelsea. Well, I suppose, no, he, he must have been called Chelsea Bunn because that's where all the yuppies were at the time. They were all in Chelsea, weren't Must they? have been. That, it just so. sounded like a fun name. Well, exactly. I'll be honest. I mean, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm dissecting this too much. Maybe I'm <laughs> reading too much into the... The uh, you know the, the comedy here. Uh, anyway, so so that was that. So we, we uh, spun that off um, into Postel, which proved very successful. And then that was my the last thing I did, sort of out of the workshop stable. Um, I mean, in between all this, you know, I've done tons of other stuff. I've done dramas by this point. And, you know, my CV was you know looking quite healthy, really. Um, but it was at that point in. Uh, 89 um, that I'd been uh, well for a couple of years trying to get into a drama school because the theory was back then I don't know how much it is now but uh, you know if you wanted to do it seriously and um, make a proper career out of it, it was um, go to drama school learn learn the techniques learn it was the it was the, the sort of the done thing at that point yeah. as well <coughs> which <it> sort of <coughs> still is for sort of, I think get mostly musical theatre avenues now it seems to be mm. the the, the, yes, I think the there's, recommended there's a lot more, of, lot more of that. And of course, we you know we live in a world now that's it's like we were talking about earlier that's dominated by the internet and you know people just doing their own thing and cracking on and getting discovered and you know. But I'm I'm a huge advocate for uh, drama school and training because it the, you know I've come across so much in my career where having that toolbox of technique and skills mm. at your disposal has dug me out of no end of things that I go, how am I going to approach this or yeah. you know, um, without sounding too actory about it. But it's, it's, it's sound it's, actory about it as much as you like um, It's true. But it's it's true. And um it's 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 tools in your kit. And, yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, talk to the any more you have the Yeah, talk to any actor worth their salt and they'll they'll say the same thing, you know, because it is it is a skill, it is an art, um you know, to apply yourself in that way. So yeah, uh, eighty nine and I was um, fortunate enough to uh, get into the RADA, yes. uh, the Royal Academy <laughs> of Dramatic Art. Uh, that, yeah, so um, and uh, did everyone say it like that at the time? Was yes, it? they did. Everybody uh, everyone assumed the Kenneth Williams type voice and said the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. <laughs> yes, exactly, my brother. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, uh, yeah. 
I mean, you know. Never apologise for whipping out a can of. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so, well, yeah. So, well, uh, Kenneth Connor never gets the same amount of no, booking, really, he does he? He doesn't, no, really. No. He's not with us anymore, is he? Don't oh, believe Ken- that. I don't, no, not, not many Connor. to carry on a lot of with us, are Is Kenneth Cope still going? There are a lot of Kenneths in that team. Kenneths in a way. Maybe you couldn't get in unless your name was Kenneth or Sid. <laughs> that was the trick. Yeah. Um, Check Hattie Jake's birth certificate. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh. Uh, Ken- yes, Kenneth. Kenneth, Kenneth Jakes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> closely followed by Kenneth Hawtrey, <laughs> Kenneth Scott, uh, <laughs> Kenneth Breslow. <laughs> Kenneth uh, Butterworth. Kenneth Butterworth. Uh, uh, you know, they're all old uh, Kenneths. Yes, they're all, all, the, all the Kenneths. Uh, it was the Kenny on team, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a typo all along. Yes, that was the original plan, you see. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> you're you're, you're parading. <laughs> digressed a little again, I fancy, somewhat from where we were at the time. Uh, so, yes, so uh, 1989 began my incarceration at, <laughs> at the RADA. And um, I had a great time. It was great because uh, I, was a, I was a young man at the peak of fitness. Uh, smoking 20 fags a day and <laughs> swilling as much beer down my neck as I could. And, you know, that all, was the healthy lifestyle all, of 89. So, well, you, you know, when you're a student, especially when you're a drama student, you know, mm. swanning about in big hats and coats <laughs> with a pipe in your mouth, you know, that sort of thing, tossing a scarf casually about one's neck, saying, have you seen the new eight born? It's marvellous. Uh <laughs> I'm painting a really. This wasn't. Rada wasn't like that. At all. No, 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 no. Yeah, although having said no, that, no. there was one chap in the year above me that did swan about in a rather large overcoat, a trilby hat, and tod- casually tossing a scarf about him, and, and with a pipe in his mouth, that did come in one day and said, "Have you seen the new Eggborn? It's thoroughly marvellous." Uh, <laughs> it was electric. Yeah. Uh, no, it was. A, do you know what? It actually, it was a very. Uh, Working class. What's up now? So I'm just picturing someone like entry level, what, 18, 19, dressing yeah. and talking like that. Yes, is, yes. Is no, exactly. Not that far removed from uh, my experience. Yes. No, well. exactly. uh, so no, it was a, it was a very um, it was a very working class sort of orientated college actually. Um, rather, it thrown off the sort of. Uh, the shackles and 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 uh, epithets of you know being this rather plummy finishing school from the nineteen fifties and sixties, um, uh, and it was actually everybody there pretty much all came from you know working class backgrounds. Um, I mean, I was there with um, Mike Sheen, uh, mm. the lovely Mike Sheen. Oh, he's very good, as everyone always <laughs> says. Uh, that was the big joke at Radra at the time. Michael Sheen. Oh, he's very good. <laughs> Uh, and he is, but he's a lovely fellow. So he was the year above me. Um, my best mate, who I used to do a comedy double act with in Nottingham, called The Forgettables. And believe me, we were bloody forgettable. Uh, <laughs> he was in the year above as well. It's a good name. It's a great, it's a um, fantastic fail. So if it works Penn. out, it's a wonderfully Indeed. ironic name. If it doesn't if work it doesn't out, work then everyone's out. like, well, they were on brand. They, Absolutely. They, they, didn't, they didn't lie to us. Nobody can remember what they were called. <laughs> they didn't lie to us. So it's good on them. Good uh, on those chaps. Exactly. Uh, so we, Julian Kemp, sorry. Yes, uh, so, so Julian Kemp, he was uh, in Mike's year with him, and uh, who, some of you, if you look at the rollers... 
on and buy rollers we mean the credits well, there, there. Uh, a bit of inside technical term there or even I dare say you could call it the Aston if you want to be really <laughs> posh about it uh, if you look at the um, the credits on the end of uh, quite a lot of stuff on CBBC you will see the name Mr Julian Kemp mm-hmm. who is indeed a very fine director uh, who directed uh, lots of Diddy TV, Diddy movies uh, he directed Legend of Dick and Dom mm-hmm. or half of that anyway um, and he di- he's currently directing Jamie Johnson, I think. Oh, which oh is I cycling betwixt yes, the, uh, the comedy and the drama. And yeah, yeah. And, uh, comedy, and drama. In and between the that, he, comedy. he makes his own films and, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And you know, He's a good egg. He's a good egg. Gun for hire. Uh, absolutely top hole spiffing chap. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so he was there. I had Mark Benton two years above me. Oh, right. Lovely, lovely. Mark Benton, who used to stand on top of tables in the pub shed, getting everyone to chant "You fat <laughs> at him," uh, and uh, <laughs> which he thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, um, it's what people did before smartphones. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. All that was the stuff of madman's dreams, you know, back then. Um, and uh, we had the, the lovely De- James Dreyfus. He was there at my time as well. Uh, very, very. Good actor, James. Fantastic actor. Um, so yeah, and and you know, obviously, you know, there's good standard, pretty much, and lots of sort of faces that you still see to this day on television. You go, oh, that's so and so, that's so and so. So, you know, um, it was, uh, but it was a great mix of people across all three years, and uh, it was uh, it did me the world of good in terms of uh, you know personal growth as well as. You know, you you start to you know look around you, question your politics and and sort of things like that, and uh, you know, you, it's it's a melting pot of people, so you're learning about different cultures and backgrounds that people come from, and you know, absolutely, and um, and great fun on top of it all. I mean, I had some of the best laughs there. I'm still mates with quite a few people um, from my time there. Um, and um, it, yeah, it was, and it, and it did give me. I walked away uh, at the end of the, th- the three years feeling sated that I was then equipped to go out into the big, nasty, wide world of entertainment. Um, but knowing that I had sort of all the armour and stuff in the toolbox to cope with it. What were your goals coming out? Of drama school, did you did you set yourself a specific? I want to hit that one, that one, and that one, or, or was it more of a uh, let's see where this top corner and uh, two to the left of the goalie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now what were we going? Well, now he, <clears throat> now that's that's a bit of a cut that out. It's a terrible joke. That's uh, fine. I, I I completely understood it. I too am familiar with the basketball. It's fine. Um, it's an interesting question now because here was. I and in one sense had a bit of a sort of jump on everybody else in the year because I'd got a, a yeah. CV of stuff behind me. You, you had you had you, you had traversed that world exactly. Before, I'd, I'd now a, you'd come to refine your craft. I'd already got got my full equity card, which of course, was something yeah, you had to have back then. Yeah. Uh, so I was go, I was going out into the world with a you know. A, a, Full equity, fully paid up equity member. You can still have it now, but be prepared to add a million initials to your name. Why is that? All I'm saying is Johnson's a very common surname. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yes. You so. want to pick yourself something a bit different, like Smith or 
Something has never been done before. Or Jackson. You know. Yeah, that's right. very, very good name. No, not many people called that. No, no, not at all. Or Davis. Davis. Yes, no, no, it's not, not, not a good Welsh ring to it, was he? Um, <laughs> Baker. Yes. Yeah. There's a dozen of them. Yeah, look, we can carry on with this we're, all we're day. We're caught. No, yeah, we're caught. We shan't. I, I mean, I'm not going to go on. Just <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Lynn! Uh, that was seamless. <laughs> oh, that, cre- that crept up on me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, goal, goals on leaving drama school. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I was in that position of going, okay, well, I'm, you know, I might, I'm, I've got a bit of a jump on everybody. Not in a cocky way, but kind of in a, a sort of that eye, one eye on going, oh, actually, you know, I could do, uh, could get a, you know, a bit of a, a fast track start here because. Yeah, I've got a CV, got my equity card, just done three years at you know the prestigious Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Let's see, you know, world's the oyster. Where I can, where I can go. Hey, see these? You see these? Exactly. I I could be so good for you. And I had a sensational headshot at the time as well. Uh, People would have been a fool to turn me down. Obviously, what I found out very quickly were there were a lot of fools in this business. uh, and yes, I walked down the, the steps of the final day at Rana, watched the door close behind me, and sat at home for five months. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, and it wasn't. It's was, um, more common than those would imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, I also, you know, I left with a very good agent, um, so I was, you know, um, well, you, you were in a, you were in a comfortable place, but you weren't really. Um, yeah. Ready for the, I guess, as, as cliche the terms it is, as happening as it is, the harsh reality of what that world was yeah. like at that point. And obviously, being a younger performer, there's more of a call for for that, I suppose. There's more of a call for it when you're younger because oh, they're good, and get a child actor is good or a teenage actor is good. Yes, brilliant. Let's get them in. Yeah. Whereas there are a million adult actors, absolutely, all vying for the same jobs. So it's, it's all between you know, the ages of 22 and 30. You know, yeah. so it's it's a, as you know, it's a flooded market. Um, I've had, I've only got two more years until technically I can play a pension. Oh. Based on that logic, which would be nice. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as in terms of, in terms of sort of particular goals, I mean, you you know, uh, you know what it's like when you're, you're sort of uh, younger. Anyway, you think you're bloody invincible, and oh. um, you kind of go out there and, and, like, and oh, I, I'll be fine. I, well, I'll be right. You know, I, I was I've thinking. You know, oh, I'd like to work at the National, I'd like to work at the RSC, you know, the World Courts, um, I'd like to be in a good drama series on, you know, possibly period drama. Um, Funnily enough, I was never that bothered about film. Yeah. Um, I kind of get that. It was, for me, it was more, essentially, I'm a theatre actor. Always have been. That's what drove me into the profession. I love doing things live. It's probably why I love the bungalow so much, really, uh, and doing all that sort of thing, um, because you've still got that sort of live feeling. But nothing thrills me more than stepping out onto a stage, especially comedy, yeah. and getting that uh, you know roar of laughter back or round of applause for something that you do on stage. Yeah. Um, and it's the best feeling in the world. You know, you can make a packed house wet themselves laughing. Um, you know that's that's great. That's worth more to me than anything else in the world. But um, so yeah. So, but I think in terms of so I, I didn't really have anything that specific in mind. I just I've always said you know I just wanted to be a good working actor. 
that people would go, uh, you know, oh, he's good, get get him in, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, sort of, you know, generally across my my post drama school years, that's pretty much what. I mean, I've had some bloody lean times. When, yeah, it's when, it's, it's when it all dries up. But then that happens to every actor. You know? I, I mean, some very top named actors as well. They yeah. can. I think it's. I think it is them. important to um, previous guests on the show, Shannon Flynn, discussed how like that's something that does need to be talked about openly more. Mm. Really, I feel because there is a stigma <coughs> in a way, um, especially in the age of social media, for you to always kind of present your best self mm. and show off this. Oh, I'm doing this, this, that, yeah. and the other. And of course, there are occasions that's important. You know, you're putting together a biog for a program, or you know, things yeah. like that. You you want to showcase, you know, what you can do and what you've done. Absolutely, but. It is also important to mm. make it clear to anyone who wants to be in the profession, mm. it isn't a straight line all the time. Sometimes you'll get on a straight line, you'll be Absolutely. fine. But every now and again, you have to you have to get off, yeah. either whether you, whether you planned to or not. It happens. Absolutely. And and you know that's um, so. W- was that was that difficult to deal with? That say initial five months at first, or um, it was. It kind of was. It was compounded by the fact. That you know, a couple of people that I'd left with had already gone into plays or shows or yeah, this is stuff. And also, my girlfriend at the time, um, the fabulous actress Amanda Drew, um, uh, she was swept straight into something, you know. Yeah. So, and that's very difficult when your partner is an actor as well, it, it's, and they're it's working. A tough you're not in the industry, yeah. Um, so, because you, you know, you're kind of going, oh I've got this. Right, okay. Uh, you're you're working, but I'm left here making the dinner. Yeah, so what what, um, what now? Like, when, yeah. was it my turn? And so it was. I mean, it wasn't. You don't want to get to a point where you resent your your partner or your friends no, because they're no, doing the thing. And that's yeah. that's one thing. You know, I, I'm, and it's only it's an only human reaction, really. It's, it's you know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's Amanda. She heard us. Wasn't resentful in any way. No. It's just uh, you get that feeling of. Oh, when's it going to be my turn? Yeah, you know, um, why, why not me? What's happening? Yeah, exactly. I'm ready. What, Come what's, on. What's wrong with me? Sort of thing. So you start getting a bit like that. Um, anyway, eventually you get your first job in your. Um, ironically, <laughs> first job for me um, was back in children's television. Huh. Uh, there was a, a program called The Lodge, which was about a children's home. Um, yeah, produced by Sandy Hasty, I think, who used to do Press Gang, if you can remember. Yes, that, yeah. Uh, she's a very sort of well-known producer in the world of children's. So yes, yeah, so this I've, was a uh, BBC. Uh, no, this was uh, CITV. Ah, the other side. The other side. The other side. Um, <laughs> yeah, in which I played this uh, copper called P, uh, PC Blake. I think I was in that. That had sort of various dealings with the children's home. So it was a re- recurring role throughout the show. Yes, so I was. I was in. Uh, I think there was about ten episodes, in about seven of them, or something, and ended up having this sort of um, relationship with one of these social workers there, or whatever. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I got, and that was all shot in Nottingham as well. So I went back <laughs> home, and because uh, you're based in London, uh, yes, at, at this point, been, and, yeah, yeah. So I was a London, London-based actor at that point. So, um, yeah, so that, that, and so you know, and. Uh, as the years roll on, things pick up. Things, you know, you 
you know what it's like you're mm. at the top of the mountain one day and bottom of the lake and on another you know um, so I did you know I did go to work at the RSC um, what did you what did you what did you work on uh, so I did a touring version of Two Gentlemen of Verona oh nice by, by were you one of the two gentlemen or were you Verona the, no I wasn't one of the two gentlemen <laughs> I, was, I was a character called Speed yeah, who is the valet to Valentine um um, so um, yeah, did that. Well, it was an incredibly long tour, but um, <coughs> made some great mates on that. Um, <clears throat> did that. I went to work at the Royal Court, so that was a box ticked. And did a new play there called Peaches, um, which was um, a comedy, which was good. Uh, and then uh, various other things. And then I became part of a, a founding um, uh, member of the uh, new repertory company up at the Colchester Mercury which was a really good there was another it was like an extension of training for me in the fact that it was uh, they they decided to put the old rep system back into play so they'd have a group of actors and we'd do you know four plays a season or whatever and it was all the same actors just doing different plays which was great because we did a lot of the classics uh, that's where I gave my deep revolving witty Buckingham in Richard III, for example, <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, all that sort of thing. And you know, we did the White Devil and uh, you know Jacobean stuff and restoration comedies. And so that that was terrific. Did you bash out of school for scandal at any point? Uh, no, didn't didn't do that one. Um, what was the uh, restoration? We Probably did? for the best. It is about five hours long. Yes. Well, <laughs> it, all of those are. They need heavily cutting. Um, all of them. I did a version that chopped it down to two and a half. Uh, so lost three subplots uh, and also added 80s music because why not well why not so. I mean that's the great thing with those <laughs> plays though you can you can reinvent them and it doesn't always work but I think yeah. if you keep you know the, the, the text the farcical nature the, of it translates yeah. to now so there's definitely a way to streamline that sort of stuff yeah. and, and um, keep the comedy and keep the core cool story there oh, absolutely but trim um, the fat <laughs> just a little you, bit I'm just trying to think what the one restoration we did uh, oh the provoked wife Oh, okay. Um, which is Vambra, so yeah. Jean Vambra. Um, and I think we sort of set that in we set that in the 90s, I think. It was all sort of quite modern dress and everything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that was a good sort of, uh, again, another sort of good training ground. Um, now, in the midst of all this, uh, so I was probably still in my... Well, I'd be in my late twenties at this point, and in the midst of all this, um, there was a particularly lean period uh, for work, and which um, was my first encounter with the old black dog um, depression, yeah. and yeah. Um, that was the sort of catalyst for it. Really, I couldn't get arrested, and I remember, I basically, I hold myself up in my flat mm. could hardly could very rarely got out of bed mm-hmm. just laid there thinking what's the point um, and, re- and, I, and this was at a time when you know no one talked about mental illness back then yeah again it is sort of seen as a no you don't have to it is, it's an unseen yes exactly you know, issue I mean, for many again loads of people dealing with it obviously mm-hmm. or, or succumb to it and um it was, uh, yeah, so it was my, my first day. And I, I, looking back, I didn't get any help because you didn't know what to do about it back then. Yeah. Um, 
I think I went to the doctors at one point, mm. and the doctor just said, oh, you're just a bit down. Oh. And, uh, oh. and that was it. <laughs> and now, oh, you'll be okay. That's... You'll be okay. You're just a bit down. You're fine. You don't need oh. anything. Else. And that was it. And out I went. And I, and Can so we go you, back in time and give so that doctor a slap? Well, so you, but again, you know, it's, 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 you know, you know I, I can't blame the doctor. It's just no, it's ed- no. education, isn't it? You know, yeah. this is the whole point. Everything in life moves on, and you you know more about it. You know, it's like everything we do in life, you become better educated. You know more about things, and obviously, we now have fantastically. We now have, um, I think, a very good awareness about mental illness in this country. One of the genuine kind of strengths of the age of social media, I suppose, is that people are now very Absolutely. openly discussing yeah. things. Um, Do you think, because um, it is, obviously this isn't too, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 this isn't to uh, not acknowledge, of course, in all walks of life, but do you think depression has such a, a rooted nest within the world of, of performing arts because of how much you invest into the work how much it's very much a part of what drives you and yes again that's not to lessen the extent of it elsewhere no exactly not at all I mean look I I always say everybody's depression is different anyway Mm. you know it's it's all down to personal circumstances and and who you are and what your sort of um, makeup is Um, uh, but I think it's it, it is very prevalent amongst the performing community um, and I think a lot of a lot of it is driven by generally the lack of work or reje- constant rejection. Yeah, you're being you're walking into places on a weekly basis, being told you're not right for us. Yeah, or, we don't like what you're doing. We don't like the way you're playing that. So you know, it's push, being pushed away, pushed away, pushed away. And it is impersonal, but it's you hear it enough times, and yeah. you can't help but now, feel that's not you know look. I always say to people, I went into this business eyes wide open. I knew what it was like. Yeah. And I'm not... Obviously, you're, you're casting for one part. You see 20 people, only one person can play yeah. the part. However, magic. it gets back to that thing where I think you start to go, oh, God, when, when's it my turn? When's mm-hmm. it my turn again? You know, Because you know you have to have a belief in yourself. And it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm Laurence Olivier, but I know I'm, I'm pretty good at what <laughs> yeah. I do. You begin to doubt whether or but not you do you've start perceived it. To right doubt way. it, yeah. you really do. You really do, and that's again, that's, that's a whole black hole that you get swallowed up in. Now, I, as I sort of managed to clamber out of this pit of despair in my twenties, without really knowing what had happened to me, mm. but in, you know, it's like you're just saying because we're we're sort of better educated on it now. I look back at that time and think, oh Christ, I, I, I had clinical depression basically. Um, so you know, of course, I did all the wrong things, drinking heavily and all that, thinking I'd find the answers at the bottom of a glass. Yeah. Temporary reprieve, but it's never exactly it's never the answer for that. Sort um, of thing. And then anyway, so I managed to climb back out of that and sort of got me so you know, life moved on, and and I think it was probably not long after that when I uh, I'd always kept in touch with Steve Ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and knew that he had sort of recently gone to move to the BBC from yes. CITV because uh, prior to this he'd been in shows, he'd been sort of producing. Yes, the, so the he presentation and he'd side done CITV. presentation at CITV, but yeah. he'd become more of a producer for that. Mm-hmm. That's where he sort of learned the ropes of producing. 
Because um, to my age bracket, to me, he was just, as far as I was aware, as a child, he was the voice of the little animated absolutely. bits between the shows. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, which he was. Um, uh, I always say to this day, he's a great loss to the world of performing comedy. Um, yeah, yeah. again, was, his instincts shine through, absolutely. And His yeah. instincts as a performer, excuse me, as a, as a comic performer are second to none. Um, you know, and a lot of what happened on the bungalow was because of his mad creative genius talking into everybody's ear. You know, a lot of the lines that would come out on that was straight out of his mouth and through everybody else's. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, we went to demented comedy puppet master. Uh, yeah. So, we, uh, <laughs> so he just started. Remember, he just started doing the bungalow. I think it was. It had just gone on to BBC One, so it come out of. Um, uh, it would come come off the channel. Yeah, this was, was early. This was early days of the, CBBC. Uh, of, of the digital channel, so CBBC. The digital channel. Uh, so it come off the channel, and it had just gone into Saturday mornings on BBC One. Uh, so it was, you know, a great achievement for him and, and the boys, and obviously everyone connected with the show. Uh, and um, and it was around uh, sort of February time that there was the 21st anniversary of the Junior Television Workshop, mm. of which all the old boys and girls have been invited back to. So we hooked up and said, uh, so are you going to go to this? And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, I'm going to go. So I said, well, why don't we go together on drive So um, uh, we drove up there, did all that, and it was all lovely, lovely, and then we drove back and uh, dropped him off. And then later on that week, um, I think it was a Wednesday, and... Uh, the phone rang uh, it was Steve hello mate do you want a gig this Saturday and uh, I said well wh- what sort of gig <laughs> he said well do you want to come on the bungalow I said and do what he said I need someone to play a camp actor tiger <laughs> I went right <laughs> uh, he said "He said it's dead easy he said it's just some kid that uh, likes this tiger from Pontin's Holidays he said so I thought I'd get you in dressed as a tiger being very theatrical uh, so, and I literally went, went like this uh, I, I sort of took the phone from my ear and looked I was standing in, in my living room in my flat and I took the phone from my ear and I, I looked around and I took this big sigh and I thought well there's not much else on the slate at the moment and I put the phone back to me and went well my career's in the shit so why not <laughs> To which he laughed. And he said, good man. He said, be at Television Centre, 7.30, Saturday morning. And I subsequently went along Saturday morning. And I was put into the makeup. I was put into um, a tiger costume made up by Leslie of Makeup to look like a tiger. And I came came on, on cue to waffle on about, you know, my Hamlet at the Bradford Alhambra uh, back in '49. To this kid who just looked at me gone out um, before slack jawed yeah before Richard sort of went yeah all right mate all right leave it leave it and uh, that was it now apparently uh, in the gallery uh, Lady Anne Gilchrist who was uh, commissioning editor at the time for Children's uh, leant over to Steve and said oh he's very good who's that (laughs) and Steve turned around with a rather wide smile on his face and said that's my mate. And she went, oh, he's very good, I like him. And so from that one gig... 
a ten-part series was commissioned of the Tiger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Rory, the actor Tiger, lives in Bermuda today, uh, <laughs> and he's very happy in there. Um, and uh, no, from imagine that, if that was the fork in the road. Yeah, if it had come imagine, to that. yes. Well, it could have done. It could have done. I mean, good lord, you know. Um, so children uh, love cats. Yeah. So from that one <laughs> spur of the moment decision in my um, <laughs> living room. To go, what have I got to lose by doing this? <laughs> so, actually, oh, it's a quick actually then, then paved the way for an incredible sort of 15-year uh, journey <laughs> with Mr. Ride, um, doing all manner of fantastic, lovely projects. Um, and so, yeah, so from, from that one thing, so he asked me back to do play a sausage the next week. I mean, I thought, Christ, this is going from just, I was punching the air. I mean, you know, going from a tiger to a six foot singing sausage. What have you done to me, right? Incredible. <laughs> Although Julian Kemp came to see that one. He said, uh, he said, I saw you come on as a sausage. And uh, he said, I, I thought to myself, you've come home. Uh, and in a funny kind of way, he was right. He was right. True, true. And the, it was, the, the collaboration from way yeah. back when was, was there. Throughout all of those subsequent <laughs> years, I started to realise, look, Kirkby, you're never going to play Hamlet. You're not a Hamlet. You know, it's that lovely lining with nail, isn't it? You know, there comes a time in every actor's life when they realise they will never play the Dane. Uh, and I'd reached that point. I thought, you know, you're not going to play Hamlet. You know, I'm not, I'm not even really that interested in playing Hamlet. I mean, it's a sort of a lot of work for a start. We've seen how many lines he has. Lots of, lots of bloody lines. Lots of bloody lines. It's the old Hamlet, yeah. I mean. uh, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> old Hamlet, do you see? Yes. I'd rather do Omelette, Prince of Egg, rather than Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, frankly. It's much Could more... Surprise the sausage for that one. Yeah, exactly. It's much yeah. more me. Um, <laughs> so, and I kind of thought, look, don't... The thing was, is all of a sudden, I was really enjoying what I was doing and I f- what, what it was giving me uh, licence to do was play lots of characters mm. and you don't really get straight actors aren't, don't really get that in the dramatic game I mean dramatic even characters. even repertory like you are you're doing that over a long period of yes, time like exactly. you, and, and even then the variety is not necessarily yeah. as so then, you're, not, you're not playing in a cartoon world exactly but exactly. you can really so then ham. when um, <laughs> yeah so then when Legend turned up Yes. I mean that was an absolute gift for me and Dave Chapman. It was a wonder that that was that was um, as weird as it sounds. As a kid, I was because not not you know not to sort of put a, 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 a best before on it, for example. But like I was you know uh, I was very much of the age to be watching Bungle. I was a little bit older. Mm. Um, so was it two thousand six was the last year? So I yeah. was fifteen. So it was, it was were yeah. So so I was a bit I was a bit older than the age it was sort of aimed at. Yeah. But because I'd got that first bite in the first series, yeah, I'd be damned if I'd have missed a, a single one. Yeah. And I was like, I'm definitely watching this every weekend, yeah. and I did. I think sort of like a ninety percent track record of it. I managed to catch it going right. out. And I was very happy about that. Yeah. Um, which is great for me because my dad, of course, was saying like, this is this is this is Tiswas. This is this is reminiscent. Yeah. Oh, it's this is very. Yeah. This is the goodies. This is very yeah. much in that wheelhouse. And I was like, okay, which led me to an education even further. Which, yeah, which no, developed exactly. my, my well, taste. But uh, it, it, for me, it was starting at CBBC. It was Legend where I, that I really twigged because I once I started that job, I was like, 
I want to know every program. I want to know it all. Mm. I want to make sure I get on top of it. Mm. Um, Good which, luck. thank you very much. No, no, not no. not everyone does it. No, I know. To they varying don't. levels of success, and and uh, some barely did the research, but did very well because yeah, yeah. they made that part of their on-screen personality. Yeah. Mystery and Sterling. Um, and he just he will not mind me saying that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I I religiously tried to watch as much as I could in that first couple of months because I was on pre-record, so I was only in the studio two days. Yeah. So the other days I'm like right between brainstorms, get me that. Can I have the DVD? It's an iPlayer, I'll watch it on there. And Legend of Dick and Don was where it really hit me. Oh my god, those two fellas were in all of Bungalow. It's, it's, okay, hang on. And that was where that was where right. I, it really hit me who yourself and Dave were. Right. Um, because that was an amazing showcase for you two. It was, I mean, we turned. It was brilliant. We turned about 60 characters each in three series it's, of that. I, it's remarkable. And again, it, it, it was a For those who. Uh, the, Maybe a bit lost just because we waffle. Um, Legend of Dick and Dom was the uh, fantasy set, I suppose, spin off from Bungalow. It didn't spin off from an idea in Bungalow, but it was. It didn't spin off from an idea the, in Bungalow. The, the tone was. Again, I, th- I think it was a title that Steve had been given by Anne Gilchrist. <laughs> like, I, I, do I, it! I think okay. It, no, I, uh, you know, about a couple of fellas on a quest mm-hmm. that are submitted script to Anne Gilchrist, who then passed it on to Steve and said, She said, I quite like this. She said, It's not quite right. Have you got any ideas on it? And I think you know we went through development, and out came this title, "The Legend of Dick and Don." Um, and um, and obviously the, the show went on to be commissioned and was very popular, very successful. And one year, each series was nominated for a BAFTA. I think it was just unfortunate it was in the time of horrible histories, yes, which everybody it's, it's wanted sort of... to just give. Every award it, to they, 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 they kind of overlapped. Uh, yes. The second series yes. overlapped the first series, Horrible Histories, which, which yeah. is where it was, uh, which was, was turning. Just unfortunate. Oh, the second series, actually, yeah, it was. Just unfortunate we were always in the same category as <laughs> them. Um, however, uh, but the, it, as for me, as an actor, it was just absolute heaven. Absolute heaven. Because it was a it was a task like the, was, the, to, to come massive. up with the amount because obviously yeah. not not to sell short Richard and Don and uh, Chloe and Steve's like uh, schedule for example obviously but like oh, you and them love selling yeah, short sold them. but you and they Dave one bloody character to cope with <laughs> but exactly you and Dave were like right so each episode you, at least two characters per episode yeah. and some either brief yeah, or some full would be one episode, liners or like full villainous role or supporting mm-hmm. character or whatnot but and and what was wonderfully unique about it was the two of you were excellent like you have an excellent reservoir of information and knowledge when it comes to comedy mm. and, and, and everything in your heads yeah. so the approach you seemed to take was some characters were completely original mm-hmm. and some were sort of um, conduits Homages. for, for yeah. like characters and impressions that oh, you're like oh I've wanted to do this one let's get this yeah. one out um, what point in the, in, in the development of that show's first series were you like Yes, this is the angle. Or was that something maybe, maybe that Steve went? Mm, well, what about your Eric Morecambe? Like, so, well, he, yeah, because well, they did specifically ask me to do that one. Where yeah. I, I sort of did it as Eric, and uh, it was like the one where Dave did it as Kenny Williams, yeah. which was—I mean, he's, this Kenny Williams is superb. Because we'd uh, seen we'd seen flashes of this on Bungalow, of course. Yes, like, exactly. Like, especially so for the End Game, exactly. And like so that. we we dabbled with various. I mean, yeah. the, the thing was, is, is Dave and I would try and get you know. You, we can't impersonate everybody, you know, when we're not sort of John Coleshaw, but um, we will try and get as close as we can, as we could, to, oh, you know, we go on YouTube and watch it, so, you know, I got thrown Chris Tarrant one weekend, and I went, oh, God, Chris Tarrant, and Dave went, he said, ah, little trick, he said, I can only do one word as Chris Tarrant, but it gets you into the right voice, and that's, for rug. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I, and if you yeah. watch that tape back, there's a couple of times where I start losing the accent, so I just go, for wrong. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it just Fair got enough. me back into the, uh, the accent. And so some of them we could do better than others, you know, because everybody has a couple of impressions they can do. Um, and then, yes, Steve would sometimes say, oh, we're, we're writing this character specifically so you can do it as Eric Morecambe or Dave can do it as Kenny Williams or whatever. But the, uh, um, it's like you say, well, it pays to have a big reservoir of comedy knowledge. I mean, it's, there was, so any time I got a shopkeeper, I played a shopkeeper in the first series in something, um, and I sort of played him as Michael Palin, mm. as whatever, as, as Monty Python goes. Because when I got the moustache and everything on, and I did that, I sort yeah. of pulled that, <laughs> whoa, whoa, absolutely, sir, you know, that sort of face. Um, Parrot shop, chocolate, yeah. sort of scared. I don't think it was um, chocolate. Yeah, beautiful plumage, though. You yeah. know, it was, it was all like that, and I played it like that. <laughs> Julian said, "Oh, he said, right." I said, "We've got Palin, have we?" So I said, "Yeah." <laughs> and um, uh, so, every, and then subsequently, every shopkeeper would have to be played like Palin. Yeah. Uh, so there were little sort of things like that that we did. But interestingly, on the very first series, Steve was considering either Dave or me for Manitol. Right, the, okay. The uh, wizard. Uh, the, the role that Steve first played. Yeah, the, yeah. Steve, the character Steve first played. Um, and it was a very funny one because Dave and I, we, we both read for it. We both auditioned sort of separately for Steve and um, the first block director, which is a guy called Jeremy Wooding, I think. And But we, I don't know. I don't know whether it was, we, we both had a sense that maybe this isn't the way we want to go I mean the one uh, bonus was because the show was a bit of an unknown uh, item at that point so uh, we weren't sure whether you know we would feature in every episode for example as different characters if it, whereas if you played Manitol you knew you got 10 yeah. or 13 episodes in the bag so you thought great um, so but I, I think it was just a case of Steve had dangled that hook of well we'd have you two as you know, like you usually do, yeah. which is all your characters. You, you would be the supporting well, cast. Yes, bar, exactly. Bar, bar the guest appearances, <coughs> bar, you yeah, exactly. would be the entirety of this exactly. world. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know whether we sort of subconsciously weren't that fussed about it when we read. And then I think Steve, Steve came out and spoke to both of us after the audition, and uh, he said, uh, right, okay, he said, uh, he said and sort of, press this on it a bit and we said well we you know we don't mind Steve it's your show it's whether you think you know anyway a couple of days later he, he rang us up he said no he said I've made my decision he said I want Manitol to be played by somebody else and um, uh, he hadn't cast it at this point but he said I think you two do what you do best mm. playing all your characters he said and we'll get more mileage out of you doing that um, which, the first episode you're going to be a tiger uh, yes. <laughs> Second year sausage. <laughs> exactly. Keep going. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh. But uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, and, and in a way, you know, Steve took that then took that decision out of our hands. But it transpired it was the right decision for yeah for both Dave and myself. And and also, Steve first was absolutely wonderful playing Manitol. So you couldn't uh, when when he got Steve in, he was just perfect to, yeah. to play that role. He was so, I thought he was so funny in it. Um, but it, uh, obviously, and it, it freed me and Dave to come up with all these, you know, brilliant characters, you know, but doing it, I mean, that whole thing, 
and we shot it all at Pinewood and Black Park around Pinewood and it was like it was like shooting a movie mm. the, the amount of crew on it um, and you Just know the look of it and, well, the, and the facilities it was yeah. shot beautifully it was graded very well you know we had a great DOP on it I was just thinking of it it was sort of CBBC's uh, stab at the Princess Bride in terms of that yes, fantasy well, world sort of, with, yeah. you know, it, it, it wasn't too like special effects heavy but it yeah. was that fantasy world and that kind of well, cultures think, and characters yeah. and villages and uh, when you look back to the first series of it it's a little bit more Heath Robinson and then we knew what it was <laughs> so by series two and three I think I think the budget went up a little bit as well because we shot those back to back so you had a bit more money to play yes. with yeah. um, So, uh, but we knew what it was and everything went up a gear you mm. know so you know it was uh, it was just tighter and you know we'd, we'd knocked off the rough edges I think and made it much you know the scoring was better on it and yeah, uh, you know, lovely guy Roland who, uh, and Andy and Martin uh, mm-hmm. who did a lot of the, the music on uh, Bungalow. Uh, they scored a lot of it, and Guy scored some of it as well. Um, and it was it was great, you know. Um, and it, it I, I always thought it looked fabulous uh, mm-hmm. on screen. And and also um, Julian Kemp had come into it for series two and three. Ah, yeah, didn't direct on the first. Uh, so he didn't direct on the first uh, series. Uh, so it was a split between um, Des McCarthy and. Julian on the second and third series mm-hmm. um, and, and Julian's got such a cinematic eye mm. um, I mean if you look, look at a lot of his episodes he, he does that classic Spielberg developing master yeah. that goes you know <laughs> that, that tells paints a picture tells a story sort of thing you know he's, he's just all over it um, but and but also such a fabulous makeup department and costume department. Oh yeah, the, the, because the, the, the look looks, of it and the costumes in particular. You know, I mean, this yeah. this we you know we'd gone way on from whereas the bungalow was an El Plonko wig and a stick-on yeah. tash. Smithies, like, just, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it was a bit Smithy. Well, actually, no, it was never Smithies with Leslie because she had you know lots of full mm. full kit. So you get good stuff. Yeah. And she and she could create a very good look, but because of the nature, it's live tally. You do not yeah, it's, it's, it's a finesse. It. There's that kind of that kind of like it's it's uh, the, the the simple version. Like here yes, it is, on exactly, you go, on you go. Yeah. Whereas with Legend, you know, we were suddenly hiring proper mm-hmm. hair wigs, and yeah. you know, there'd be you know, there's a whole team of very very skilled makeup artists. Um, Around you, that well, I mean, we had prosthetics for certain things. I had teeth made for something, you know. Yeah, it was uh, like, not, um, not just out of a packing. Wasn't there a character where you're like absolutely caked in warts in one of them? Like it's proper kind of uh, sort of spots and, and all these gross on a nose and, and cheek and whatnot. No, I think that was the, the teeth I had made for a character who was obsessed with vegetables. Yes. Um, okay, I can picture. This. I think <laughs> yeah. the one where I'm covered in warts and stuff was mm. was was it me and Dave playing two old sort of Spanish crones? Yes. Um, in yes. some some village that, that they the went one. to, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we were these two old crones in there or something. Well, the, I remember the nose being a ridiculous kind of shape and, yes. and like sort of drooping and, and bit yes, sticking out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, being like bloody hell, uh, <laughs> watching it and feeling a bit queasy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, great. Exactly. Uh, I think Dominic has to burst one of the spots That's in it or something. It, yeah. He gets a face full of custard out of it. Um, mm. He's got an outtake of that, actually, where he just bursts out laughing uh, at the end of that. Uh, and, of course, Blessed. We had Brian Blessed on Blessed, that. yeah. The he's Blessed, the, who he's played the boy's father, father yeah. who was just hilarious. Um, absolutely <laughs> mad as a bicycle. 
I've got a whole reel. I went in with my um, uh, uh, little camcorder one morning when they were shooting that scene in the Great Hall where he sort of you know, gives them a good rollicking and then sends them back off at the start of uh, the second series to um, go and rediscover the, the formula and whatever it is. And, yeah, uh, do you remember series one concluding? Yes. And series two be like, you screwed it up, go yeah, back out and do it again. Exactly, yeah, they come back with an <laughs> antidote for an athlete's foot or something. So, um, uh, But uh, no, Blessed was just phenomenal. I mean, it, everything's true, what you sort of see and hear about him. He's, uh, you know, swears like a bloody trooper. Um, couldn't retain the lines in his head for Toffee. You know, he would be there going... Um, no, you two must have... Oh, no, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me what is it. Oh, don't f- tell me, tell me. People <laughs> like that screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brian, so, we, we can't use that one, yes, Brian. So that the, we the, get it from the top. So Sorry! The, yeah, so the poor old uh, script <laughs> supervisor would be shouting these lines in. And I just looked at Des, who's directed that particular episode, sat forlornly behind a monitor, going, right... Okay, don't don't worry, keep going, Brian. Oh Christ, <laughs> like that. And it took. I think they they uh, scheduled about an hour and a half to get that scene in the can, starting at eight o'clock on camera, and uh, by one thirty they'd finished. Yeah. So it, it took until lunchtime. It was a while. Oh. Um, also, just realised extra Python um, element there. When you're saying about. Palin and oh, Terry Jones was the Dear old Terry Jones, bless him, yeah. Show, um, um, which made me so, very happy. Yes, no, that was, that was a real coup when we got mm. uh, Terry to narrate it. Um, and I think he sort of did it because he, the, the, you know, there is quite a, a heavy Python influence on that show. Mm. Oh, from God, yeah. all yeah. of us, really. They were all <laughs> Python fans. Um, and I think he sort of recognised that in it when he, mm. he saw a couple of the reviews tapes uh, before he, he when he came in to do it but yeah no, I was lucky enough to be in one of the ADR sessions nice. when I was there uh, and of course bless him this was when he was he was still well yeah, uh, yeah. sadly he's, he's going through dementia now isn't he but um, uh, so yes a little little python stitching there also interestingly not the python stitching the bungalow was all um, transmitted from Television Centre TC6, yeah, which was where they made the first series of Monty Python's Flying Circus. So, oh, James in. Timing could not have been better. Uh, yeah, so, um, so yeah, another little, little stitch into the Python timeline there. A little new jar. Uh, is there an impression um, throughout Bungalow and Legend in particular that you're surprised you... you did in a kids TV thing like any sort of character actor or whatever you're like I'm, it's weird to think that uh, I'm emulating like well, this well there's a few now that will never see the light of day again well of course in, yes. in, in, <laughs> a few whom yes. a, a, mere, a mere ten years ago yes we did not know in a certain uh, light yes yeah. exactly so Operation Utree put paid to some of those quite um, a few yeah. um, friend of mine his, his repertoire was like 50% people oh. who since he's like well I can't do that anymore I can't do that I think anymore. A lot of, lot of impressionists have found that out. Um, but in terms of, um, I don't know really. I mean, it, it, as you know, there was such a vast turnover of content. <laughs> I mean, half of it. There's a thing online now which is great. Whoever's doing it, they, this that bungalow uh, thing. They on, are brilliant uh, on yeah. Twitter. Because uh, there's been like live broadcasts on YouTube at 
the time of when the episodes oh, go out. Oh, right, and okay, stuff. Yeah, right. So, so um, but I, I people, can, see, people can chime in and, and. I often see clips on there and I go, when the bloody hell did we do that? <laughs> I have no recollection of half the stuff that, that whoever it is that finds. Uh, and go, what? When was that? I do want to know how they've got hold of whole episodes and stuff. It, it, they, well, you see, there's a theory. I, I assume there there's was a theory, and if this bit goes out in the podcast, you know who you are. Ah, there's a, there's it, a, it's an inside. There's individual. a theory. It's an inside man or woman. Uh, entirely possible. Somebody who was connected to the show. The Deadpool pitch reel yes. has been very heavily implied since its uh, release to have been leaked by Ryan Reynolds himself, and that's what got the movie greenlit. So it's. You know, right, I, the, I, I don't condone the misuse of material that is owned no, by other people. No, absolutely. Well, the, the nice but thing off is, off the record, I completely encourage it. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, the nice thing is, is that they, they obviously, whoever is doing it, you yeah. know, is very generous towards the show and the people in it. And uh, but also as well, it, it's it's that rare breed of, of material, especially with the BBC. I find uh, in the last sort of twenty, thirty years, a lot of stuff doesn't get another look in. It doesn't get a rebroadcast or a repeat. Yeah. Even in the days of iPlayer, a lot of stuff isn't being packaged as box sets. Yeah. yeah. I think that will change. Think, yeah. Stuff's creeping up. Certain things are returning. I mean, what, what's the what was the Scottish uh, sitcom of Alan Cumming? Where he's an air steward? Oh, um, come, not come fly with me. Uh, no, the really, highlight. Really different. That's the highlight. It's like that's not looking for years. Suddenly, it's back on BBC iPlayer at the moment. Yeah. And people are rediscovering it. Yeah. So stuff will have its day, but the live stuff in particular does tend to it, once it's out. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. So. God bless these archivers, whoever they be, who put these things online, because then they have a second life and they carry on. Yeah. Which is uh, definitely very useful for those things. Oh, absolutely. Um, Bungalow, of course, sustained an extra life for people who maybe missed it. Kids weren't the Mm. age to see it at the time or were too young. Uh, through the Dick and Dom Diaries, which Indeed. of course repackaged it, yeah. and there was new um, segments and wraparounds, yep. and Little Nolly and various characters yeah. came back for that. Um, <laughs> oh, and now there's an impression I thought I'd never do. Yeah, is that, and it's not real. I mean, I can't. I think it was like one Sun Bungalow, right? There was a Deal or No Deal parody. Uh, no, we did. Or we did it a few twi- times. We did him twice. Yeah. I think. I think. I don't. We might have done him more times. Muck or No Muck, probably. But we did um, Mucky Addicts. I think, oh, instead right. of okay. telly addicts, we did yeah. bookie addicts, and that was when, and I just had this, the, the reason I came up with a don't splat a little nolly was because I remember as a kid watching Swap Shop and stuff, and him and Mike Smith, Mike Smith would always do the OBs, and uh, he would always, he would sometimes uh, call Noel little nolly, he said, oh, how are you little nolly, like that, and it's just, it just one of those things that stuck in my head. And I thought, so in the midst of all that crap being thrown about, yeah. and I started to get hit by, I was, oh, don't splatter, little Noly. Uh, you know, as, as he sort of did. Uh, it, I mean, you know, um, I, the look was great that Leslie gave me the hair and the, the goatee beard and the jumpers and everything was great. And then, of course, we did the muck or no muck, yeah. which, again, I don't know how we got away with that. It was me on my knees. Going round to small children saying, we really need to see a filthy box. Uh, show us your mucky show box. Show us your mucky box. <laughs> you know. I distinctly remember as well <laughs> a bit where you just get knackered. You just stand up, yeah. walk over to a thing and then walk back yeah. and look on your knees. because no, it was taking so long. Oh but God. also, on the, the first question to that child, as I said the show, and there's a brilliant shot they've got of me where I'm, because I'm on my knees, it's just you can only see the top half of my head above the podium. <laughs> And then and I asked the kid the question, and I go, and you're going to have to hurry up, because I've got cramp. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody legs were riddled with cramp. 
about to put a leg out like that. <laughs> well, it's like, um, and you, but it, it's, I, I've watched it when this person had uploaded it recently, and I was crying with laughter, not at my performance, but just the That's what we did that day. Ridiculous to entertain. To earn money, yeah. to hit a broadcast remit, like I mean, that's how everybody oh, functioned. That here's day. here's another one as well. Harry uh, <laughs> Eamon Holmes, a yes. Harry uh, Eamon Holmes. I said to Steve, I said, "Why is he Harry?" Steve's answer was, "Why not?" Sure. So lo and sure. behold, I had all that fur, or well, those whiskers dripping down to sort of you know off me hands. I mean. <laughs> Thought, what am I doing? And I, I'll tell you this now. I always remember that one because I was really hung over that morning. <laughs> I remember Steve coming in and saying to me, "Christ, you smell like a brewery." Uh, <laughs> like wonderfully enough, conveniently enough, yeah. you're going to be playing Eamon Holmes this morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Not implying that Eamon Holmes uh, is an alcoholic, and, and it, just that he smells no, exactly. like a comforting drink. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure he'd rather have a plate of sausage and mash than a than a glass of whiskey. Um, <laughs> But he, uh, he's a big lad now, isn't he? Eamon, hey? Does he listen? No, never. <laughs> he's not a close personal friend, is he? No, 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 no. no. Oh, no, no. More oh, enemy, Do you know what, actually? He's lovely, because he came in to do a little bit on the bungalow once. Oh, was that in the in final the, series? In the, the last stretch? No, no, it might have been. in the diddy, there was a big guest sort of in turnover the diddy in the cupboard. Yeah, he didn't play any of the games. He was just on the telly in the diddy cupboard. Ah, right. And then uh, he came in and did a, he did a diddy movies with us, I think, as well. Lovely chap, lovely fellow. Um, Enjoys his sausages. Exactly. He has put on some timber, though, hasn't he? Well, you know. <laughs> I think at some point you've earned it, surely. Hello. At some uh, point you've earned is it. Is that Mr. Coat? This is a lawyer representing <laughs> Mr. Eamon Holmes. Uh, we're serving you with a writ. Um, oh, hang on, I'm going to sneeze now. <laughs> it's the curse of Eamon. Um, he can hear us. Pox on our house. Well, I'm using that for the sensor sound effect. Oh, God. <laughs> You're right. Do you want water or anything? No, I'm all right. You sure? Yeah, hang on. It's going to go again in a minute. Do you want to lie down or anything? <laughs> Sounded like it took a lot. Whoa. Has it gone? Anyway, so yeah. Harry Eamon Holmes. Harry Eamon Holmes. Um, but, that, I mean, that's one of my favourites, that muck spell. Because, the, you, if you remember, the words get so... And what we've done is we've pre-recorded them the day yeah. before. And Guy had sped them up slightly. Um... I mean, I can't. I can't even say them. There's Fanufi Wackamang Nang Wing Wang Wooka Bucket Chogger Log. Got this kid trying to go. Hey, no, that's wrong. On you go with the bucket of the usual. So that that was one. Obviously, never thought I'd do Roy Walker. I did Roy Walker as well because we did a catchphrase. We did a muck phrase. I think it was Roy. Roy Walker. Chances are it was muck phrase. Yeah. Yes. Roy Walker, slow talker. Uh, so <laughs> like that. Um, again, not not a very accurate um, uh, impression, but um, <laughs> ridiculous thing to play. Uh, I mean, so in the last series when we decided to go down that game show route for all of those muck mucks, yeah, uh, I think they they were the muck mucks I enjoyed the best really, and it's I think it was me and Dave alternated each week. Yeah, because uh, I can picture like, the the crystal muck and things like that. Oh, I mean that's that's up. genius by him. Also, his uh, strike it mucky. Yes. I mean the show was made for that title anyway. Yeah. 
but Dave's, um, <laughs> I mean, Dave's Michael Barrymore was absolutely off the scale. It was fabulous. And of course, that's when he said the, the famous, uh, oh, if you get the question wrong, you've got to mess yourself. Oh, I mean, muck yourself. <laughs> don't, don't mess yourself. That would be awful. Uh, <laughs> everybody in the studio was just crying with laughter. Crying with laughter. Um, so, uh, you know, you never know what live telly's going to throw up. <laughs> Quite literally. I think we did have a kid that threw up actually one morning. Had to sort of cut away after being force fed tripe. Uh, Probably, Lord knows. Um, Obviously, uh, uh, to to touch one last time, as it were, on the uh, the bungalow legacy, it kind of lived on in a in a eventual, unfortunately brief successor in the form of Hoopla later Mm, on. Yes, um, which I think was actually the last time we physically saw each other. Was it? Maybe. Did you not? I thought... No, I tell a lie. I think we did bump into each other when you were working on Slammer Returns. Yes, next door. Um, yes. Um, I was meant to be in that, apparently. Were you? Or, or it was bandied around. Steve oh, told me, we're trying to get you in for summer, and we couldn't get you. I was like, more I'm than, more than available. I'm freelance. More so. than likely. It was probably somebody <laughs> above. It was probably somebody on my end above going, yes. like, he's not available. Blocking you. It's like, I bloody am. I blo- I'm a turn. Um, I'm available. Um, it's next door. But, um, yeah, because no, we first met on the Slammer, but we'll get to the Slammer in a moment. Um, but Hoopla was... I adored that myself. Just as mm. I, At this point, I'm working at CBBC, and I could very much see where it was coming from and mm-hmm. what it was about. And it really sucks that it was a brief stint, that one. It was a shame, that, mm. really, because we kind of felt... I mean, it was an incredible location that we were oh, doing it. was it, amazing, that. wasn't it? It was, uh, it was, it was called, down near Collin, um, wasn't it? Was it, it? Was, was it uh, Devon, I think. Devon. It was in, and it was, Never uh, get them confused. Uh, for those of you... That, Wollacombe refused to be acknowledged yeah, as Cornwall. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, for those yeah. those of you that aren't familiar with this show, so Hoopla was a show that we shot, and it was at, at a fairground museum, wasn't yeah, it? So it had museum. all these old... Huge bars full of yeah, full of old uh, Victorian uh, sort of carousels and bumper cars and, and all sorts of things. Fun house, um, yeah, sort of interiors, ghost train, ghost train, yeah, all that sort of thing that that's uh, lovingly sort of kept going and restored by enthusiasts down there. So it was a great setting for it. Um, <clears throat> it, was, it was like if a pier had been crunched into a building. Yeah, it was sort of that um, old old style amusements that had <coughs> been preserved. Because yeah. one section was more museum, and the other one was very much a, like, That's here's right. everything in working order, come yeah. and check it out. Come and have a go. And that was the, the main setting for Hoopla, yeah. which was, uh, if Bungalow were a, a, a sort of slightly twisted circus yes. on a Friday evening, yes. was kind of its... its it it, was, hence the spiritual success, because it was sort of yes. the follow-on. Uh, and, and yourself and Dave came back for that one. We did. Uh, um, did Melvin get involved in that one at all? Uh, I don't know. I don't think. I think Melvin O'Doom had become Mel- Melvin O'Doom. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> great was... irony there is for years on the bungalow, we said, ah, Melvin O'Doom, tomorrow's star today. <laughs> and he's, all of a sudden he was. It's like, God he damn was, it, Melvin. He was today's star today. Um, <laughs> he took the role literally. Um, yeah, but um, oh, no, I love Melvin's bits. He's, he's fabulous. I'm well chuffed that he's gone on to do all these great things. It does. So, yeah, I don't think Melvin was involved in that. So it was me and Dave. But there was also like other recurring um, performers who were on that one as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, but also, I mean, it was like I suppose really it was a it was a variety show with games. Hmm. Now, funnily enough, um, I'm now working on the comeback of Crackerjack. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think what Hoopla was really, um, it was a, a sort of a, a not 
Crackerjack as such, but it had the same format. The, the kind of games, t- testing ground of does this format yeah, still ring true? Does exactly. it work? So yeah. it had, had the games involving the kids in the audience, and uh, it had variety acts on and bands on. Yeah, everything that you used to get five to five on a Friday in Crackerjack. Um, and but it was just uh, but it was done in uh, Dick and Dom's own inimitable fashion. You know, yeah. so there were some slight. Dark twinges around the edges. Oh yeah, yes. I, uh, I recall the closing shot of every episode being my favourite thing. Oh, the, the child choice? usually lay motionless on the oh, stage. Yeah, exactly. Having I mean, been frightened by a, a by clown a with Cyril the clown with a sharp bit of teeth. Yes. <laughs> and that was electrocuted. Yes. We electrocuted and killed the clown. Yeah. In fact, wasn't it the child's job to kill the clown? Or something? Yeah, I think mean, the kid had to sort of ward him off with a kettle prod. Yeah, or something. something like that. Um, Which for me, like as as, as a fan of obviously like, the. Pre- Previous stuff, but also as a presenter at the time, I was like, "This is brilliant!" Like this, is, I'm so. It's one of those programs where I was so happy I got to plug into it. Because yeah. at that point, I was doing the afternoon, so I was like, "I cannot believe this is the show that we're about yeah. to introduce." I'm delighted by this, yeah. and just you know, because obviously there was like the, the Carney characters and things like Gypsy Rose Dick, and just all these items where it was like, yeah. "This is this is mental in yeah. the best way," and. You know, it, it's we won't go into all the politics and stuff or why it, it ended when it did, but it is just this whole thing mm. of like, oh, it's a shame that people weren't as kind of open to a more chaotic, more unusual yeah. version of that format. Um, I think um, it's yeah. We, I mean, we came away from it knowing that it wasn't the finished article. Oh, I, was, I, those things rarely are on the first uh, go. Well, ex- exactly. I, d- Again, I, d- I, dare, I dare say Touchwood yeah. uh, Series 31 of Crackerjack will be different from Series 30. Yeah. Like, it, you know, there'll be that that settling in and, and yeah, finding, yeah. finding the version. Um, um, but I suppose, like you say, it led to, like, Crackerjack's resurgence. It mm. probably kind of uh, uh, backed up kind of shows like Sam and Mark's Big Friday Wind-Up. Yes, that, that kind exactly, of, that kind the of variety thing. show in the afternoon, um, which segues beautifully uh, and segues all, all, always work when you acknowledge them. Um, into <laughs> variety shows on mm. CBBC, we have to talk about the Slammer. Oh, God, really? We have to. I'm very <laughs> sorry. We do. Um, the Slammer is, uh, from an outside perspective, yes. I I think I was too old to be watching it when it first went out, because it was like 2008, 2009? The first the series? series went out 2006. 2006. Uh, no, we 2006. shot it in 2006. I think it went out 2007. Okay, so it was post-Bungalow shoot. Yeah. Um, I again was not in the age bracket it was intended for mm-hmm. but the moment I figured out it existed I was watching it mm. because it was right up my street and yeah. again it was because of that mix of the mix of the tone that mix of kind of homage to programs yeah. like the, I mean there's obvious sort of nods to things like Porridge and yeah, Heidi yeah. High and things like that within mm-hmm. the, the DNA of it and that made me very happy to see yeah. um, but it was also some of the is, is not rare anymore but isn't this pure which is the variety show like yeah. you say it was yeah. a sitcom that facilitated a variety show yeah and it worked really well yeah uh and as a fan i always got a little bit miffed when toward the end of the original run it became a little bit more variety show focused <clears throat> uh, so i was like no 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 i like all of this stop yeah. lowering one thing to bring in more yeah. of the other thing yeah which is why the slammer returns was quite pleasant to see that no the the, the sitcom element i've been sort of bigged up again and became structural it was still you still felt like the commissioning side of it possibly was like Red's got talent next factor are big yeah. so let's let's do more of it and it's like yeah but remember why people like this yeah it's because it was both 
Um, um, so you know. exactly. Uh, I mean, uh, again, it had its. Sorry to ramble on about. No, no, that's... about the slammer, but that's... I just well, I, well, I have well, to. Exactly. Really. All, all right, you, you've had your say, and I, I'm going see. to have mine. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, uh, it, it's again, it's it's rooted. It came out of the bungalow. Mm. We, if you remember, we used to have a strand called Strangely Talented. Yes. Where it was uh, kids, it was the bungalow heads judging acts that would come on. Now, some of them were just set up nonsense acts, but there'd be a few things in there, like a beatboxer or a comedian or something, uh, that was a genuine variety act. And um, the lovely Mr. Joe Godwin, uh, who used to be all supreme of all seeing, yeah. yes. <laughs> Uh, as I always said to him, I said, are you the supreme of department? Do you have a sign on your door that says sod? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, no, lovely Joe. Uh, he, there was something that he saw in that and that he said to Steve, he said, he said, there's quite an interesting thing. He said, children judging adult acts, you know, yeah. um, performing acts, uh, variety acts. He said, well, what is, what can we do something with that? So, you know, he got sort of pushed into development and uh, again the crazed genius of Steve Ride's mind uh, right it's a variety show where should we set it in a prison <laughs> um, but, but but why not you know genius but it's a prison for variety performers that have done something wrong in their act or you know for or, some... or have been that crap they've been bunged in here well, yeah so, I mean Steve yeah. would always maintain that it was he said it's not that they're bad at their act because mm. as you know we had some stunning acts oh on absolutely there. Uh, but it was that something went wrong in their act and that's why yeah this, the sort of distinction was between the sitcom element was you'd usually be dealing with the acts the, the acts that were probably crap or not very yeah. good yes, and exactly. then obviously the ones who perform with the, with yes. the cream of the crop well, exactly and, yeah, so they'd yeah. be that, that thread in it. So, yes. I imagine that's an odd one where some performers or agencies, booking agents, would be like, yeah, no, we totally get it, brilliant, let's do it. And others yeah. would be like, wait, are you saying we're, we're yeah. saying we're not very good? Is this, we've done something wrong. What? Is, is, this, is this one of those completely natural and not at all structured X Factor auditions? Yeah. No, 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 honestly. It's, yeah. it's, it's, <clears throat> we want you because you are entertaining. Exactly. Please come in. Uh, and I, I think um, that, that was the sort of... Um, reason for its success I don't know whether you'll agree with me but there seemed to be I disagree I don't know go on <laughs> right this interview is terminated yes it's uh, <laughs> unplug that microphone oh no um, celebrate together is, uh, there was uh, at the time because it was before Britain's Got Talent yeah it was It was uh, sort of on the cusp of, of the variety show yes. uh, return uh, resurgence singing yeah. competitions have been going on for about yeah, 10 exactly. years but, but, but it the, was but there was yeah. nowhere I mean, when I was a kid, again, the 70s, you know, that's all you had was variety shows. And, like, you know, Paul Daniels' show would have variety acts on it. Bruce Forsyth's show would have variety acts on it. Mm-hmm. Whoever's show it was, would have, Les Dawson would have variety acts on it. You yeah. know? Uh, it was just, it was, it was staple television food back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously the decline of that and the, the sort of public not wanting that for a while... Um, or, f- or fell out of love with it, or just not even knowing it existed anymore. And more like it off focus, the screen. sort of focused on specific elements of variety, namely kind of stand up and yes, and yes, exactly. So I suppose, yes, like, that was it. And it yeah, you're we'll right. We'll do more actually, with those. Probably, and now probably, we have formats. Yeah, um, but which is a shame because obviously those, you, you lose your magic, you lose exactly. your character comedy, you lose your sketch stuff. You I lose mean, in your, the your um, acrobatics, yeah, in the business, you see, a lot of those acts are, are known as special acts. She's yeah. speciality act. It's what you put front and centre in your pantomime one year, you know, like a, a fabulous juggler or foot juggler or, 
you know, um, hand juggler, the, uh, leg juggler, or leg juggler. I'll no, juggle anybody. You, you, you're, you're just being completely stupid. Uh, <laughs> you'll be eating spinal cords in a bap next. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, take that out. Uh, um, but, staying in. So I think, and I, but I think that was its genuine appeal for, especially for kids. They'd never seen anything like that before. No, and, and again, like packaged in a way that wasn't. It wasn't something they had to find elsewhere. It was no. This is for you. This is exactly. This is specifically for you. You know, we're not doing this for anybody else. And also, you know, it's a lovely show that you could sit down with all the family, uh, and everybody would get something out of it. You know, so you had obviously me and Ted clowning around in the sitcom element to it. Um, and then, uh, and uh, you know, I would, some of the comments I used to say to some of the kids walking round, um, you know, were a bit close to the line sometimes. But you know, I knew that it would they, they would go to the adult ears rather than yeah. It's it's uh, it's this it's, again as we said before, pantologic. You yeah, know exactly, exactly where you're pitching it exactly. and who it's who's going to get what um, out of it. I mean, I, I used to because I used to use that, but I, I was very uncertain about the first series about how to do that element of it. Because um, I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone doing that, because it's all you know, it's very much thinking well, the, your the, the vox and, pop kind of thing. Yeah, the, yeah. The going around the audience and, and asking the kids what what they thought about each act. Um, so I was yeah, I was very out of my comfort zone. And then I sort of by series two, I thought, hang on, I've got it. Hmm. The way to do this is just be quite. Although I hate this word wacky, quite zany with my straight laced character. Yeah. So that I can just go, sort of in a way. So I would go up to kids after a band was on, and I'd say just things like "just noise" and thrust a microphone into their faces. Um, and there was <laughs> there was one, some brilliant reaction shots yeah, from that. Yeah. Like the kid, but then the kids would just like not really hear me and just read out what they've written, you know. But I, but uh, you know, people in the gallery and stuff were wetting themselves laughing. And there was one I said. Uh, John Thompson was on one show and he bet yeah. me he, he said you've got free reign to say anything here haven't you I said yeah I said what do you want me to say he went get Derek Jarman into your next <laughs> sentence so, so I went around we, we came off the back of a, a dog act now yeah. I personally hate dog acts can't st- I love dogs mm. can't stand dog acts find the most useless bloody thing pudsy forget it not my cup of tea. So Rest we, in peace. So we came... Yeah. <laughs> is, he, is he dead now? Podsy's gone. Oh, Podsy. It's all right. She got another one. Oh, another Podsy. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I said, I bet you can't get Derek Jarman in. I went, right. So, because uh, uh, that's it. I used to go to the sound department. used to give me certain words that I had to get right. in on it. You know, that old chestnut. That yeah. I'm sure everybody who's worked in television or theatre at some point has had... And uh, Panto so, goes by without a stage manager to ex- giving me something before the song shoot. Exactly. So we, um, uh, so yeah, we came in off the back of this dog dog act, uh, and I used to sort of walk, say some kind of comment as I walked in, so they could you know put the scissors in off the back of it and go to the first kid. So I thought, so I came in, so and in five, four, three, two, one, and cue. I walked in and I said, "Well, dog act." About as popular in my house as Derek Jarman films. <laughs> I just did right from the back of the set. <laughs> so John Thompson go, ha! <laughs> uh, but when I came off, challenging sense. He said, John, John said, brilliant. He said, and do you know what's even more brilliant? He said, 
that was a perfectly creditable quote to your character. That's a, you know, so you haven't crowbarred that in. He would actually say that, which Mr. Burgess would have done. It you would know. Absolutely, be his opinion. about as welcome in my house as a Derek Jarman film. You know? <laughs> um, and he does hate dog acts as well. So that's true. That's yeah, true. Mr. Burgess has never liked dog acts. Weirdly, it's a recurring trait of all your characters. They all hate dog acts. Mm. It's, it's, yes, uh, I don't know where it comes from. No, this is. But um, <laughs> I mean, he's uh, again. You know, I've got a, a lovely free hand off Steve. When he, he um, come up with the conceit, okay, entertainment prison. Um, he said we're going to have a governor. Uh, he said, uh, and he got so it's me, Dave, and dear old Lee Barnett, the prize mm-hmm. idiot, yeah. uh, who were the sort of three stooges in it. Oh, Melvin, of course, was in the first. He's in the f- uh, first one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he go, go back to the Ian Sterling episode <laughs> to hear the story of what happened to the puppet on the bus. There's a whole thing. I'll oh, tell you afterwards. God, it's... Right. No, I think you told me. May have done. Or I've heard it. May have done. It's, Somebody's yeah, told me. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically, Melvin may have had to just stayed in the show because uh, that prop would have gone missing. So, right. In a horrendous circumstance. Yeah. In central London. Yes, I think I have heard it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> there's, so, a great, there's a podcast about it, Ian, called Out of the Broom Cupboard. Uh, you should listen to it. it. came out last November. Well, I've, uh, I've probably heard it on the podcast. Yeah. Listen to you. All right, let's not get into all. Never mind about all that now. I'm talking about me. The this past one's about and dreams me. and me. It's all about me, darling. Um, so the three of you, the four so, of you. So um, yeah, so the four of us were. Uh, so you guys were cast from the top. Yes. Yeah. So st- st- once Could, Steve had made his mind up, he said, "Right, he said, I've got this idea." He said, "So it's going to be half sitcom, half variety show." Um, and uh, he said, "We'll have a governor of the prison," um, and uh, he said, "We'll need some." Um, Probably uh, uh, prison officers and some regular lags in there, mm. you know, that feature weekly. So, he Dave, said, you're a great puppeteer. Yeah. Can you be a crap puppeteer? No, that, 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 was, <laughs> that was Dave's idea. He came up. Oh, with brilliant! Um, Beautiful irony in there, really. And and I think Melvin just played Melvin again because that was that was the great in joke on the bungalow. No matter who he played, we always refer to him as Melvin O'Doom. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? It's a great name. And I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think he was just Melvin, Melvin O'Doom. Melvin enter rooms and just say, Melvin O'Doom yeah, exactly. here. Uh, and so I went away and he, he wanted, he said, go away. He said, write something, write a paragraph or, or a speech or something or something about your character or whatever. Uh, and we met up in, in TVC to sort of throw these ideas about. And I, my initial draw to it, as you mentioned, porridge, yeah. And I think, you know, Fulton Mackay created one of the all-time greatest comedy characters there in um, Mr. Mackay um, and played absolutely beautifully and, mm. you know, he got great writing and he's working alongside Ronnie Barton, you know, it's, it's a great show. So I was immediately sort of thinking, oh, that's where my natural penchant goes towards. Yeah. It's that sort of authoritarian, you know, highly disciplined mm. prison officer Obviously, I couldn't play it like Fulton because it would have been a direct lift. Um, you know, it wasn't going to affect a Scottish accent and all the rest of it. So, I'm, you know, I went to these sort of more, you know, that old fashioned NCO type voice. All right, lad, get a move on, get your hair cut, that sort of thing. All right. Okay. And, uh, I'm not talking to you personally. Oh, thank God. Um, you know, and, and, and adopted the Tash. And that's, yeah. That was it, really. That's all you needed in the smart uniform. Um, and I said to Steve, I said, we, we're going to have the, the old-fashioned prison officers' uniforms in the tunics, aren't you? I said, you're not getting the jumpers. And so yeah. he said, oh, no. He said, I want it to look 
like that. And and every so often there'd be uh, an affectionate sort of nod to Fulton in, you know, I'd sort of crick my neck yeah. like Fulton McCoy used to raise up and down on my tiptoes, you know, straight as a as a gatepost, you know, sort of thing. I want to ask you about Ted Robbins. Yes, the great, the great Ted Robbins. The great Ted Robbins. Um, so when did he come into play? Like when? How how far into the process? Did uh, he... So I think uh, Steve knew he was looking for a sort of um, not necessarily a comedian, but a performer of sort of Ted's ilk. Yeah. Really. Uh, that and the, Les Dawson kind of presence, the, yes. the, especially when it's variety action. Kind of the, the, yeah. the, the working men's club, the, yeah, kind of exactly, comic. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he, like a warm he thought uh, that that sort of character, mm-hmm. yeah, very warm presence, would be, uh, you know, a good uh, sort of um, make a, a good governor for an entertainment prison. Somebody who's actually. You know, been an entertainer themselves. You get the sense that he, he this is a world he belongs yes, in. Yes, exactly. And he's probably he's probably exactly. looking out for everyone a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's he's got a bit of um, humanity to him and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. So I think that's what how Steve saw the character. Now he saw um, Ted, obviously. Uh, he saw. Do you remember the comedian Mick Miller? Yes. Bald head with long hair around the side, and yeah. who's a fabulous comic, Mick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's terrific. Um. But I don't. Uh, Steve said Mick didn't really kind of get it at the audition. Yeah, he was a bit kind of. So wait a minute, it's, it's a prison that you put entertainers in. I did, mm, right, okay, he was a bit like that. So didn't he said he you know acquitted himself very well at the audition. Is this, but, is this paid for by the taxpayers? Yeah, trying to figure out <laughs> whereabouts this sits. Didn't on. Uh, don't overthink it. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't sort of get. It. And there was there was one. I, don't, I know it was a field of three. I can't remember for the life of me who the third person was now. It was another, I think it was another old comic. Mm-hmm. But he said Ted came in and he, he said, he, you know, this thing, Ted, he's got such a huge energy as well. Mm-hmm. He brings it all in with him the moment he enters the room. And he's, and he's, he's never off Ted, mm-hmm. he's always on. So he's always got mm-hmm. quips, jokes, puns, everything. And he throws mm-hmm. them at you all the time. And he, uh, but he came in as well, and he said, "Oh, he said, well, I've, I've been thinking about this, you know." And uh, he said, "I've got my catchphrase, you know, who's the governor? You're the governor, you know." And it, it just, it just all everything slotted into place. He's just like, "This is going to work." Yes, yeah, yeah, it all slotted into place. So he, he was, he was the perfect man uh, for the job. Um, you, and you can't it's one of those things now you can't really picture it with anybody else in it, it would, it would it. be odd it would, it would be odd yeah, if it feels it like it feels like that, that that vibe and the cast of it very much cement it and, and I think um, for the Slammer Returns did it feel different because obviously I think you two were the well we, we were the only two that recurring carried on element from um, the previous which iteration. I think once Steve had been asked to bring it back he said See, Steve always likes to, whenever he makes the next series of something, he always likes to evolve it mm-hmm. in one way or another. Change it up. Because the set got bloody bigger as well, didn't it? Well, the set got burnt. Because the original well. was, yeah. They <laughs> lost to the some, echelons. Somebody said, why are we still storing the set for the Slammer after a four-year break or something? Mm-hmm. We're not going to make any more bin it. Scrapped it. <laughs> and, and then it was not that long <laughs> after. And within a fortnight, yeah. I think, someone had come in and said, I want to bring the Slammer back. <sighs> Uh, so we had to had a big reinstatement cost, but again, that's why they they um, commissioned two off the bat. Because for those of you who yeah. know about television, it, you can spread two, the budget. Two seasons. Uh, was yeah. it two series total of Slam Returns, or did it go for a third? Uh, no, it's just two. 
Okay. So, and to be honest, it's sort of Ted and I were we weren't tired of it per se. It was just we felt we wrung out every storyline possible in mm. the sitcom element of it. Yeah, um, and also we were starting to get a lot of great as they were, but a lot of returning acts. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, did the acts for the for the for the uh, summer returns sort of lead more into what had become um, the, the the popular event for variety? So was it more singing and, and more kind of song and dance driven stuff? Or was there still a nice mix of variety for summer returns? Like, were, we, were you getting your special artists? Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. No. We we were, and the, you know, there were there were still uh, you know new acts that we not had on before. However, there were a lot of uh, although it was a different act, they were doing the same act as one of their yeah, counterparts. So we had a different foot juggler, but she was foot juggling. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, same as the foot juggler in season one or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was just a different person. But, um, you know, it's, I, I still stand, I mean, I stand by all of those episodes. They're, they're you know, they're great. Um, and. Uh, that I think because uh, on Slum Routers we really did slim the sitcom element down. I think didn't we? It was like mm, it, was, it was it was five minutes, five minutes and uh, five maybe minutes maybe a wrap up um, at the conclusion. Yeah, and we brought uh, Little Holly in as well to play um, the prison officer Meadows. I think, um, but it was main. I mean that series was yeah it was mainly driven by me and Ted really um, for for the most part. Um, the two of you got to work together again recently. On some crackerjack filming, we did. Which uh, we won't go into too much thingy because, based on uh, the airing of this episode, I don't know if that stuff will have TX necessarily or not. When's this shoot going? Uh, currently pending for February. Oh, you shoot these? Shoot them? Record them? Come well, on, off to Panto. I'm banking everything. Right. Ah, uh, uh, clever, clever boy. I'm a tiny little clever uh, man. I think but, it, it uh, transmits in. January. Yeah, it's uh, currently thinking for late Jan, but I, just in case the Ted stuff hasn't gone out yet, mm-hmm. um, was it fun to, to rekindle? Yes, that's, it that's, was. Um, that's spooning buddy. It, and, it was very funny because I, I, I've done, I've written a couple of sketches for Crackerjack this time round, and um, I, I wrote one specifically for Teddy and I to yeah. do, um, called Doctor and Panto Man. This bloke goes into the doctors that keeps thinking he's in a pantomime so it's all sort of based around that it's all very pan- pantomimic uh, I thought it was a perfect one for me and Ted as two old sort of panto hands um, and it was very funny because we were rehearsing it on camera the other day uh, Steve came down from the gallery and he said ah oh, it's so lovely to see you two bickering on camera again <laughs> you used too many years I mean Ted, Ted and I you know get on famously we're great mates and, and love each other to bits uh, and the only reason that we do bicker sometimes is because we care about the finished item yeah, yeah. and what's going to be fun. So we're there going, well, I think this is funnier. No, 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 but if you say that, then it knocks that off. Well, don't do it like that then. <laughs> so we get a bit, a little bit touchy with each other, but it's, you know, you always hurt the one you love. Uh, but it's because we're chasing, we're both aiming our sights for excellence. Yeah. You know, and that's, I don't, there's nothing wrong in that. There's absolutely nothing. And we, you know, we walk off the set and we know it's it's business. That's it. Mm. It's business. It's not, nothing to do with, you know, how we are with each other socially. Um, so, um, you know, and uh, but having said that, we always, you know, we always reach a, a conclusion with each other and, and pick, pick the best way we can. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was lovely um, being back with him again and, um, you know, doing a, doing a little bit of, Slapstick with him. 
So uh, she's grateful. Not a euphemism. Not a euphemism. But you know what? Maybe a euphemism. Mm. I say that. I've, I've, I have no connecting link. Um, the <laughs> lovely patrons. Uh, that is a euphemism. They're all filthy. Yeah. Uh, I've been sending in questions. Uh, thank you very much for supporting the show, team. Well, and all uh, two of them. All, all two. Of them. Hey! <laughs> awesome. um, so <laughs> it's funny. I think he's one of them. Wait, no, hang on. How's that happened? Um, A fine actor, that boy. <laughs> you know, funnily enough, we're recording this in uh, the Holiday Inn at Media City, which is across the road from the Lowry. Mm. It's one of the first shows I ever went to see live was uh, the play what uh, the play what I wrote. Oh I yeah, wrote. yeah. Uh, and it was a performance at the Lowry, oh. um, and that blew my mind as a child because I was like, "Hang on, are they allowed to do them? Yeah. Are they allowed to pretend to be them?" It's like. <laughs> y- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They can. Yeah, they absolutely can. Um, if they did a remount of that, do you play what I want? Yeah, do you think oh. you'd have a stab? I'd love to if somebody <laughs> asked me to do it. Because it's not been put on for a while, has it? That one. No, I mean usually, I, I usually tours see, with different yeah, guests. I yeah. went to see it. Uh, well, I went to see it a couple of times. I think when it was on the Wyndham's in London in town, mm. and uh, I was living there still. I think when that first came out, because I, I was a big fan of the Right Size Theatre Company as well. Who, yeah, uh, made it. Um, uh, Sean Foley um, so did a wonderful show called Do You Come Here Often years ago which was two men locked in a toilet <laughs> uh, and it was just this whole madcap sort of hour and a half of them trying to escape this toilet uh, was it a bathroom or a toilet it, just, uh, it had a toilet in it anyway so. uh, but it was very very funny very very clever comic minds those two um, so uh, so yeah no, I'd, I'd jump at the chance to do anything like Put it out into the ether, people. Yes. Put it out there, or it won't happen. Exactly. Chris Wood. Chris Wood. And he shall. Uh, says, Mr. Kirby's. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Kirk B. No, he's put Kirby's with an S at the end and no K in the middle. Well, that's, your new, that's your name now. All right. That's okay. your name. So, Mr. Kirby's, mm. uh, like the video game character. What was it like working on Kids TV in the 80s and how things changed? So, this is obviously talking about oh, well, uh, your mother well, wouldn't yeah. like it. Um... And the sequel series, your mother I mean, would be tacked off with yeah. it. Um, it was, it was a much more lenient time in what you could put on air. Is the is the main difference? I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we seem to be saying that more and more year on year in children's television. That you go, oh, you, you can't do that or you wouldn't have been able to get away with that now you know um, but uh, yeah back in the 80s I mean <laughs> I remember there was one sketch on your mother would like it where uh, Julian Kemp was in it and he was playing this thug and he picked up his son off the <laughs> smashed him into a television set and chucked a load of beer cans at him you know um, which was hilariously funny and then they started rolling. Yes. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> and then we turned over. Uh, and, um, you know, and you just, I mean, you think of that and you go, good God, you know. That was, I mean, it was, it was funny, but it, it never struck anybody's mind that you couldn't do that. Especially when there's a cartoon element to the proceedings well, as well. You kind of, exactly, you know, you know it's, it, it, but, um, I mean, you don't, you don't get Tom and Jerry now like no. that same kind of cartoon no. I drink even in the cartoons exactly but Which, um so yeah so it was it was a much more lenient time you could you could not not get away with because you weren't getting away with it it was just yeah. acceptable um 
The, sa- the sandbox was a little bit bigger. Right? It yeah. wasn't wasn't as, <clears throat> it wasn't as uh, exactly, and and also pleased. there was um, there was a lot more money for children's television back then. Mm. Uh, a lot more money. You know, they they were companies were prepared to um, certainly. Um, ITV were anyway, who I was working for at that point, uh, were prepared to put a lot of money into children's programming. You know, they took it very, very seriously. Um, and I think, you know, I look back, I just didn't only do comic stuff uh, in children's, you know, I made quite a few little dramas and things. Um, lots of them went on to win BAFTAs and Emmys and pick up goodness knows what in awards. Um, and it was. Um, yeah, it was it was looked on as, you know, a very staple part of the television landscape, not mm. to be sniffed at. Where I think nowadays <clears throat> there is an element of snobbery as well. Nowadays, it's yeah. It's you know, true. I walk into auditions sometimes, and uh, you know, producers and directors, if I'm going up for a drama, because essentially I'm just a charming actor and a hired gun. Uh, but if I go up for something in drama, they look down at. You know, or they'll pick up on so uh, so legend Dick and Don, children's, isn't it? As if to say, what are you doing here? Twitch, like <coughs> that. Whenever that has happened to me, I've always you know, wanted to reply with, "Yes, the hardest audience to cater to." Exactly. I'm a um, goddamn MVP. But, but also, but also, I, you know, I have <laughs> no bones about saying I've. Done some of my finest work in children's television. You know, we go. It's like I'm saying, you go back to legend. Mm. That's like, you know, it's, it's, as an actor, what a showcase! Exactly, it's shot like like a film. It's like look Mate. at <laughs> so, look at this. Look yeah. at the type of shoot we did, the type of stuff yeah. I did, how the end product turned out. Yeah, and the pedigree know, of the talent involved around it. If you want to be that snobby but, about it and be also, like, wait, you did it for children? Yeah, but also it's that thing. Is is me with Brian Blessed? Like just you yeah. know. Hello. Also, it's it's um, it's that thing of uh, just going, you know. Listen, mate, I'm an actor, mm-hmm. and an actor's life can encompass many different genres, many different fields, and and different media. So, what's your problem? The fact that I've done some children's television, you know. Jeremy Irons was on Playaway for Christ's sake. <laughs> He's now an Oscar-winning film actor. So. You know, anyway, so I, I guess they're, they're the, but they're the main differences, anyway. Chris Wood. The Little Penguin says, what was the worst game that you had to participate in on Go Daddy was one of them? <laughs> Actually, yeah, uh, I, I did take quite a lot of injuries playing that game. I lost my trousers on one occasion as well. Uh, that's when Richard rolled me up in a carpet uh, I used to come off with quite a lot of carpet burns off of that for, for those who don't know how did how did Don't Go Daddy um, uh, so Don't, sort of... Don't Go Daddy so it was three sort of businessmen type daddies so it was me, Dave and Melvin and we'd line up in a bungalow and the aim of the game was we had to get out to the door the other end to go to work but the kids wouldn't let us leave so we had two kids each hanging onto our legs to try and stop us from leaving and, uh, and you know as those shows rolled on these got more and more sort of violent the way the kids would try and stop us from leaving I actually had a cracked rib uh, from, from Don't Go Daddy yeah from doing that one one year and it was absolutely bloody killed me anyone who's cracked a rib will know it 
There's nothing you can do. You just got to suck it up. Just got to suck it up, Buttercup, and deal uh, with it. Yeah. <coughs> would, would you say that that was probably bloody kill me? So yeah, so that, that was, was the worst that one. was the worst one to do actually. I think. Uh, but softening the blow, they said. Also, I loved Harry Bat's interrogation song. Thanks. So, interrogation song. Yeah, oh, I guess the, it was the the, the, the spoken. Die straight. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mystery to me. The game commences. Um, so yeah. God, who 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 are you opposite for that? It's uh, you and the guy out of the office. Yes, who keeps you and, and Who keeps a straight face throughout yeah. that? But, well, he looks. But Richard's also there. Richard's there, and he's creasing himself yeah. in the corner. But you and Macintosh person just yeah, sits there with a really, really straight face, but starts to look slightly embarrassed for me. <laughs> What's uh, happening? Doing it. What is this? What's happening? <laughs> but, um... Sean's puppets. Oh, hello. On behalf of his puppets, Sean says, what is your favourite DC Harry Bat moment? Right, first of all, let's get this straight now. Let's get this out here. Mm. It is D.I. D-I Harry, Harry Bat. Bat. Always has been, <laughs> always will be. From my very first entrance on that show as that character... <laughs> I come in and quite clearly announce to everybody, Detective Inspector Respect Harry Bat, uh, 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 filth, <laughs> filthy squad or something, I say. Uh, but I definitely say Detective Inspector Harry Bat. And the amount of people that, even on that show, used to put so DC on DC, stuff, you're like, well, hang on. It's a bloody DI! <laughs> He's earned God his sake! He's earned his stripes. He's not a DC! <laughs> Anyway, what was the question? <laughs> the question was, what is your favourite Harry Bad yes. moment? My or if it's Harry too Bat. tough, two or three. My favourite <laughs> Harry Bad moment. Well, I mean, one of them's got to be the, the Dire Straits one. Yeah. But, uh, and and uh, to give full That's credit here, special. that was uh, Guy Rowland, uh, our Grams well, operator. Yeah. Um, uh, he was <laughs> an, an sound supervisor. He, uh, he came up with the idea to do that. <laughs> So and we we just put it in the show just on a random morning. So uh, fair play to him because it is a great gag. Just turning it off, go. Oh, sorry about that. Must have pressed play by mistake. <laughs> anyway, just move on. <laughs> just moving on. Uh, so that that was a good one. Um, worst moment for Harry Bat Ooh. was that bloody car chase. We did a car chase one morning. Oh, so this was Bungalow. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, it wasn't... Oh, I was we, confused we, then, but I was like, I can picture to... him in a car, but isn't that for either the Harry Bat pilot yeah, no. or legend? Because <coughs> he popped uh, up in legend, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, Twice. There's two different characters. Is that right? He was in the medieval setting, like, in the, the legend setting once, and then another time it was in the, the modern day episode. That's right. The time travel. Yeah. Oh, God, you've got a good memory. Yeah, he's a security guard. I'm not lying when I said, I'm sat there in studio doing links, the show's playing silently on the monitor, and I'm there going, oh, it's Harry Bat! Brilliant! Hey, they got him for the show. Fantastic. Um, anyway, what was that? Oh, yeah, right. shredding children's drawings. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> it's so heartless. <laughs> so, no, we, there was this car chase going to happen uh, to the Blues Brothers music. You know, Peter Gunn theme? No, Peter Gunn theme is down, 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 down. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, whatever um, that piece of music is. So it was a great idea. We'd shot some stuff in uh, Shepherd's Bush Market, so yeah. cut to VT at some point. Uh, and they, the art department had made us all these little cars yeah. out of um, cardboard. Yeah. But they'd made pick, them. I can pick this now. <clears throat> they'd yeah. made them just one millimeter um, in width less than the actual entrance of the door. So on the Friday, we'd gone in there. We used to have a you know sort of few bits and pieces. Of that. 
And I said to Catherine Land, dear old Lando, who was the art director at the time, who's now on Strip the Come Dancing. Show's gone off in the world. Uh, and I said, I said, I am never, I said, live television, when the adrenaline's going, I am never, go- at speed, I am never going to get this car through this door. And she went, you'll be all right. Look, you've got a centimetre either side. I went, okay. <clears throat> and Good luck. Right, door, door opens or comes off or whatever, smash. In we go, everybody goes in. Me, I'm in this police car one. Just rip the whole thing off. So basically, I'm running about the garden and the bungalow just holding a bit of cardboard. <laughs> And then my wig comes off. Oh, God. So, yeah, so I'm like re- trying to retrieve that. Uh, and I just thought, I knew this was So they cut to the VT. I thought, I knew this wasn't going to flip in work. You know, just nonsense. It's cut away. Yes. Anything. Cut away. Cut to a pigeon. The wig's off. If yeah. one of the Yukon. Jesus, move on. Um, so that was that was Harry's worst moment, definitely. Um, and there was, one, there was one morning. This is a personal favourite of mine. There was one morning uh, when we used to play the... Um, Nobody move game. Mm. There's one morning I came came in the, the garden f- from out of the bushes, mm-hmm. and, and a branch had come off in my hand, <laughs> and I went. Uh, I said, uh, right, Detective Inspector Harry Bad, nearbody move. Uh, Detective Inspector Harry Bad, special branch, ah. nearbody move. <laughs> Steve was in my ear. He went, oh, he said this show's on fire this morning. I went, this show's on fire. Run the VT. <laughs> <laughs> or run the sting or whatever it was. And uh, I was just very pleased with myself for that. I just came up with a gag on the spur of the moment. That's just special branch. <laughs> a magical moment. It'll never happen yeah. again. So, yeah. Until you pitch the new item. Can, exactly. we do a, can we do a thing with branches, Steve? It's like, no, Ian, it was... Yeah, it was a long was a, time ago. It was a one-time. It was 15 one-time. years ago. Stop, stop it. Stop it. There you go. Chewy Mort. Hola. Says, do any of your characters have a real life basis? Are they caricatures of people you've come across, or are they just inventions out of your own head? So I guess this would be in relation to, say, Bungalow, um, Legend, Legend. Um, I, I guess somewhere online, yeah. There's, there's bits. I mean, as an actor, you're always clocking things and stacking them away in little, little rooms drawers, in your yeah. heads, uh, or scribbling notes down about um, things and people. Um, so the, there will be elements of that. I mean, I, I sort of... Uh, there's a lovely um, Oscar Wilde quote that I like to use. He said, talent borrows, genius steals. Um, but you've got to steal from the best. So, as you know, you, you look around at other performers and what they do and characters they've created and you nick little bits and pieces. And, you know, so, yeah, so like when we were talking about Slammer, you know, there was a lot of that was... Based on Fulton McCarley, mm. uh, you know, it's like some of the characters in uh, uh, Legends. The, the shopkeepers, for some reason, always lent themselves to Michael Palin uh, <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, uh, but also, there, there there are bits and pieces that I've, you know, um, uh, from people that I've come across in, in real life or encountered somewhere along the way or seen from across the street. Uh, I'm still trying to get one. It used to be a bloke. Bless him. Oh, uh, wasn't that old actually? A fella used to walk up and down my street where I lived in London, wearing one of those tiny um, plastic policeman's hats, you know, that you could get as a souvenir of London. Oh right, yeah. He, he was down, down and out, but he used to walk up and down the street wearing this police helmet, smoked out of his mind on booze, singing "Pinball Wizard" in a falsetto voice. 
And they, they go, he's a pinball wizard, there's got to be a twist, pinball And they go off down the street like this. And then at the end of it, you do him shout, nobody knows what Tommy went through. <laughs> now, there's a character I'd like to explore. But you see, the trouble is, you put that on stage, somebody goes, there's nobody like that. That's <laughs> That's knackers. Nobody behaves like that. But you see, you know, real life is stranger than what we present on stage. Like site specific. Take him to Camden Market. Don't explain yourself. Exactly. No S- secret theatre, love. Yes, secret theatre. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, so yeah. So so you know that's that, that's the starting block. Whenever I, I play a character in, no matter what it is. I mean, obviously, if it's a, if it's a drama, then you've got all the technically you've got all the evidence you need in the text if it's well-written play to bring that character to life with what I do in comedy and children's generally you stuff get, with the fast turn around or, yeah you, or you get the script yeah. and you go um, right how am I going to play man in sweet shop or mm. how am I going to you know when you've got something non-specific like that and a lot of the time as well I, I mean I my children and my wife think I'm possibly I should be locked up because I'm constantly <laughs> going around the house Doing voices, talking to myself, making weird sounds. Um, you know, as a brief example, uh, so I've, I've got two dogs at home, and uh, yesterday before I left, I had to sing them a chorus of dogs, 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 dogs. And my wife is just sat there. Going, what are you doing? And I look at myself in the mirror and go, for God's sake, you're 50 years old. What is this? What is wrong with you? I'll tell you what it was. What? Dogs, dogs. Dogs, 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 dogs. dogs. Yeah. Uh, But it's like, I mean... You're playing to an audience of dogs. Yes, exactly. But I I mean, I hear things on the radio. It's like, and when I, I have trigger words... Whenever the news comes on and they mention William Hague, I automatically have to go, William Hague! I have to do that. I mean, I, I think I might have got it off my dad. He had a similar thing with um, President Mubarak of Egypt. Yeah. Whenever he was mentioned on the radio, my dad would have to go, Mubarak! <laughs> I mean, you know, absolutely insane. Uh, I mean, you know, or watching the rugby, you know. And there's Roland O'Gara there, and I will have to go with every single time, I will have to go, Roland O'Gara! You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There is something bloody wrong with me. That's why you go into this world, well, isn't it? Ultimately, so. like I could, either, I could either be uh, <laughs> designated as a, a troubled or troublesome individual, or I could yes. turn it into a profession. <laughs> I could turn it into a profession. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like ah, I see what you did. You, yes. t- you, t- yeah. you took your illness and yes. you turned it and into you made it into something. Like, well yeah. done. Like, thank you. Uh, And on that final note, not to bring schizophrenia into it uh, necessarily, but Oucho Obsessive says, would Mr. Burgess get on with Harry Bat? Oh, I think definitely. Yeah. Uh, Find common ground. I think I I sort of pitched an idea to Steve once while we were doing the Slammer that Harry brings someone in to the Nick for, you know, for their sentence. Uh, So, you know, when when a copper drops a prisoner off sort of thing. Um, and I think we, we looked at it in the time scale we had to show you the you know, logistics of the logistics is, of yeah. you know just double screening and all that sort of thing and you know, it just it would have all got quite convoluted so we dropped it in the end but um, 
yes, I, th I think they would definitely get on um, because they're both. Harry's very driven by being on the right side of the law and banging up villains, and of course yeah. Burgess likes you know the same sort of thing. Really, you know, he doesn't. He likes discipline and good order, and doesn't like <laughs> you know any flim flam and whimsy. You know, you've got to be straight down the line. So I think they get on that like house on fire. I'm trying to think of what sort of criminal Harry Bat would bring into the slammer, really. What sort of case that would, or whether or not it would just forgo the slammer logic and he just bring a mass murderer in. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it could have been that. <laughs> Can you detain him for one night? Yeah. I'll stay here with you. Halloween special. Yeah. There we yeah, go. Exactly. You know. yeah. Halloween special. Um, Story of doubles and exactly. actual murder in the slammer. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that we found difficult when we did our Harry Bat special uh, was finding the crime that you could yeah. portray on children's television because you can't go out investigating serial killers or rapists. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, it's half time, Forrest. And at half time at the city ground, it's Forest Nil, Derby County Nil. Ah! On November the 9th in 2019. Yeah, for, those, for those who are monitoring the scores. Uh, and also, one last thing from Archer Obsessive. How's the Russian dancing going? <laughs> well, it was a small child. Again, in my world of dancing, uh, by the, although I started off just tap dancing, but by the time I sort of was getting to knock it on the head around about 13, 14 I did, I did it all love I did ballet, jazz, modern, tap acrobatic um, There wasn't and, a shape you couldn't pull uh, Pretty much uh, and into that at one point came Cossack dancing <laughs> Don't ask me why that's far too long and boring to tell you but anyway We'll I, do a separate episode it, on it It turned out <laughs> I was quite good as a Cossack dancer and um, did a, a few shows with, <laughs> with Cossack that's in it and I, I don't really that morning I came on and I said I'm I'm not really here for that dog. I'm here to show you me, me Russian dancing <laughs> I can't remember whether that was Steve that asked me to do that yeah. or whether it was scripted or whether I'd just taken it upon myself to it, go how am I going to get out of this it seems very spontaneous at the to go, oh, do you know what I'm here for actually I'm here to show you me Russian dancing <laughs> It, it very well could have been me on the spur of the moment just going, how do I get out of this? Or it might have been Steve in my ear going, uh, just tell me you're there to do your Russian dancing. Uh, you know. So, Bat, Batfink needs to start playing in the next exactly. minute. Just, just uh, do some Russian oh, dancing. Oh, don't bring Batfink. We all used to hate that cartoon. I, as a I know. Let's, let's acquisition the worst cartoon and the most outdated cartoon that we can for our show. I, as, bat a, I as a viewer, also did not enjoy the bat yeah. interlude. That was my go-make-a-cup-of-tea interlude. Yeah. Um. Yeah, oh, don't blame All of the cartoons from that era that could have been acquired. God, get on with it! Half of Hannah Barbera's output must have cost nothing to show at that point. You know, get some funky fans I will you with my wings of steel! And here is my questionably racially sensitive sidekick. Yes, painted yellow! I mean, what were they thinking? It's a long time ago, obviously. But... Oh, yeah, I can't remember what the sidekick was called. I don't even want to hazard a guess. It's not Cato. That's what's the name? Is that it Cluso, was, isn't it? It was in that. It was in that kind of thing of. of well, Cato was. Um, it was, it was Pink Panther and also Green Hornet. 
is is just uh, as Kato as well. Kato, so Green Hornet. Yeah. That one didn't jump out of cupboards. Yeah, it wasn't played by uh, Burt Quok. Burt Quok, indeed. Yeah, Burt Quok. Um, but are, are any of us really played by Burt Quok? Well, are we at all? Yeah. I mean, are we human or are we simply dancers? <laughs> I don't know. That's a killer question for you. Hey! <laughs> oh. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining me throughout the broom cupboard. Chris, um, it's been bloody awful. Uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, we will have to get you back for something which, in fact, you know, we'll talk about it now. You lot go away, we'll talk about it. Oh, um, and it's for a thing. Right. So basically, um, there's a murder I'd like you to call. Out of the Broom Cupboard this week was hosted, as always, by Christopher, me talking right now, Johnson. Special guest was Ian Kirkby. You can catch Ian Kirkby in the latest series of Crackerjack going out on CBBC, as well as in many other programmes across BBC iPlayer. The music was Break Time by Incompetech. Please check out Kevin McLeod's website for all of his tunes. Remember to credit him and use them as much as you like. He's a very good man. And don't forget to check out patreon.com slash OOTBC to help support the show and get a bunch of perks, including video content and early releases. Till next time... Tatty bye.